Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good things, and Tom Cruise feels the need for speed. We got a couple of Top Gun stories here to talk about several big things. Joining us, as always, sitting right to my media left, is Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing today, sir? John, I got to see your good Canadian kids movie over the weekend. Yeah, what did you... Crimes of the future. A lot of mixed reactions to it. What did you think? Mm, you know what? I have to say, it was a little distancing. I didn't feel... I felt like I was, I was watching something as opposed to being uh, enveloped by it. But I still quite enjoyed it. it beautiful filmmaking. Great Howard Shore score. Uh, really, really well done. Very disturbing. Kind of what I wanted. But, uh, you know, it's very, I would call it Canadian. <laughs> the, the quintessential Canadian film. It's by the quintessential Canadian film. Sitting next to Robert, of course, is Chris Carr. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. I was telling Rob, I saw Tessa Thompson over the weekend and made a total fool of myself. What happened? Oh. We were at brunch and I just stared at her, John. I just stared at her <laughs> like an idiot. I was just like. <laughs> I, it was so embarrassing. She's so pretty. She, yeah, she's kind of ridiculously pretty. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see any big celebrities over this weekend, but uh, I had a good time nonetheless. And speaking of good times, we're going to have a good time here today, guys, because you're here joining us. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break the show up into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, if you'd like to get a live comment or question read on today's show, Two things. Number one, you got to be watching live. Uh, number two, once we get to the end of the final main topic, we're going to announce that we'll open up the Super Chats. At that point, you can use the Super Chat feature in the YouTube chat and fire them in. That's only open for a couple of minutes because it fills up fast, and we will read off those ones that get sent in. Also, a couple of housekeeping items here, guys. If you need your daily fix of the John Campia show, but you can't be sitting in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're jogging or you're at the gym, whatever, good news there is an audio-only version of our show that we simply call, originally enough, the John Campia Show Podcast. <laughs> so just go on to your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for the John Campia Show, and subscribe to it today. By the way, we have a second podcast feed just for our Mailbag Show. So again, go on your favorite podcasting app, search for Mailbag, a John Campia Show Podcast bonus feature, and sign up to that today. Want to remind you guys as well, tomorrow, here on the John Campia YouTube channel, after a bunch of weeks with family health crisis, Rob getting COVID, all sorts of things derailing it. But tomorrow, Movie Club returns tomorrow, and we finish off the trilogy. We are doing, of course, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. No film in cinematic history has ever won more Academy Awards than this movie, and we're going to be wrapping that up tomorrow. So make sure you guys join us for Movie Club tomorrow. Also, one last little bit of housekeeping here. I want to let you guys know about a new feature that YouTube has introduced that is now available for you on our channel. Now, it's called Super Thanks. Now, here's how it works. It's completely, it's not going to change anything for anybody who watches our channel or watches the show. Everything's completely normal. However, just like we introduced Super Chats on our show because we were getting literally thousands of people who wrote in messages that wanted us to read them in a day and we could only read like 5% of them, 
Super Chats helped us out that we created a way that people could ensure that they get their comments read by using Super Chat and it financially supported our channel as well. Where YouTube has now introduced a new thing called Super Thanks. So now if you go to any of our videos that aren't live and you want to leave a comment that you can ensure we get and see and respond to, you can use the Super Thanks feature. Now obviously we have over 10,000 videos on the John Campy YouTube channel. We have thousands upon thousands of comments that get sent in every day. Obviously, we can't ensure that we can read all of them, let alone respond to them. But now YouTube has given us an avenue that if you want to make sure that we see that comment and you want a response from us, you can use the super thanks feature. And again, it's another way that you help support our channel as well. If you want to use that feature, again, it's completely optional. We just wanted to let you guys know that it was there. All right, guys. With that all down, let's get into some stuff here. We're going to start off the top with this. You guys may remember that a number of months ago, big tremors got felt throughout the studio industry because a new law got passed that basically said this. A owner of a copyright that sold that copyright off can, after 35 years for nothing, just come back and say, we're taking our copyright back. Now, this, of course, started a big court case that's going on. We're in the middle of it right now with Marvel and a bunch of estates and families of people who originally owned the copyrights to a number of the Marvel characters. And they're trying to get those copyrights back. And Marvel is, of course, fighting it. Now, there's no new developments there, but a new movie has come into the fray that's really rather interesting. And that's Top Gun Maverick. This is interesting. So here's the basic gist of it. Top Gun, the original movie, was based on an article. Now, the writer of that article sold the rights to Paramount to make this movie. But that was over 35 years ago. Now, where it really gets interesting is that Top Gun Maverick was supposed to come out before that 35 years lapsed. But of course, COVID came up, global pandemic got pushed. And Top Gun Maverick has now come out after that 35 years lapse. And in 2018, the widow and the son of the guy who wrote that article, in 2018, they filed to get that copyright back that went into force in 2020. So now they are suing Paramount right now for big money, number one, and number two, to have Top Gun Maverick pulled out of theaters. This comes to us from the folks uh, where I lost my spot here. There it is. This comes from the folks over at Variety, and they've got a really good article. I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs here because I find this absolutely fascinating. It says this. The original Top Gun was based on a 1983 article in California Magazine. On Monday, the author's heirs sued Paramount Pictures, claiming that the studio is profiting wildly from the sequel. Of course they are. Top Gun Maverick, even though it no longer holds the copyright to the magazine story. The, article, the article's author... Yeah, now you got to forgive me if I mispronounce the names here. Ehud Yane died in 2012. His widow, Sash Yane, and son, Yuval Yane, filed a notice in 2018 reclaiming the copyright to the story, which took effect in 2020. In the lawsuit, they argue that Paramount distributed Top Gun Maverick without obtaining a new license to use the underlying material. The suit seeks damages as well as an injunction that would bar Paramount from distributing the film, even though it's already in theaters right now. Top Gun Maverick is currently the top-grossing film in theaters with a domestic haul of nearing $300 million. Now, an another interesting twist on in all this is that one of the lead lawyers who is representing the families trying to get the Marvel characters' IP back is the same lawyer 
that these guys just went out to get to represent them for Paramount. Now, look, does this family actually want Top Gun Maverick pulled out of theaters? No. What they want, though, is to put Paramount's feet to the fire and say, mm, guess you better settle with us for like a huge amount of money. It'd be a shame if suddenly Top Gun Maverick had to get pulled out of theaters. Now, of course, we don't know if they have a lot of weight to this, but I've read a couple of legal analysts who are saying, you know what? By the letter of the law, there's some legs here to this thing. Not saying that it would be successful, not saying that they would win against Paramount, but I've read some analysis saying there are some legal legs to this thing. And that might just be enough to make Paramount say, screw it, sign, sign a $25 million check and just give it to them or whatever. But Rob, we've been seeing this now popping up more, <laughs> obviously most prominently with the Marvel stuff. We also heard it's being brought up with the Predator stuff. There's another lawsuit going on regarding Predator yep. with people wanting to get the IP back. I've always felt this was a fundamentally unfair rule because while you and I are both clearly all for IP creators' rights, mm. when you sell something, you sell something. You shouldn't be allowed to come back later and just take it back. There is obviously nuance to that in some different circumstances. But we're looking at this now with Top Gun, what do you make of this story and what stands out to you the most about it? Well, I, as a cursory, at a cursory glance and not, you know, you told me about this today. I, I haven't even read this article, but I would say this. The underlying material, uh, if you're going to make a sequel, usually in the rights deal that you make for the underlying material, those those provisions are taken into consideration. Like you, you would you would pay the writer of that article more money. If there is a sequel made like so when you guys negotiate a contract, we always say it ain't show friends, it's show business. When you negotiate a contract now, let's say you've written an original screenplay. You as the writer have negotiated if there's going to be a sequel, if there's going to be a TV series. All of that is in your initial contract. I'm willing to bet back in 1983. Obviously, clearly they didn't that when they bought the rights to the article, they didn't. The author, he's like, great, buy my article. You know, so it's in, it's not even in like Time or Newsweek. It's in this California lifestyle magazine that Don Simpson probably read. He was probably doing lines off the pages and said, oh, this is interesting. Then he heard the Taco Bell gong and thought, I have an idea. Yeah, I mean, and 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 so what they should have done, and I don't know why they didn't do this, because this happens more than you would think. When they made that Dukes of Hazard movie, for Warner Brothers, right. they didn't get the underlying rights to the TV show. They weren't. They didn't lock up those rights. And you're like, wait, what? How can this happen? Those lawyers, this is what you pay the big bucks for these studio lawyers for. They should have gone back and renewed. They should have gone back and, and paid for that article again and looked into that. Looked Because those are the very underlying rights underneath this movie. And they screwed up. Because it's like you don't just get to use things at anybody. Any studio, the first thing I would have asked as a producer is, wait a minute, we do have these underlying rights, don't we? That would have been, that should have been the first thing that you looked at, but they didn't. And and that happens more and more now because I, like you, you'd think somebody pays for something once, but they only paid for it to make a movie. And it's been 36 years later, well, it's 30, what, 30, uh, 32 years later when they made the movie. They should have looked into this. It should have been handled. As a producer, that would have been the first thing I would have said. I would say, okay, wait a minute. This is based on an article. It's 30 plus years later. Do we still have the rights? Because the, I would have thought the deal would have. Um, it's not just the copyright on the article because the copyright's the copyright. But 
the studio might have only, they might have only bought it for, unless they bought it in perpetuity throughout the universe forever, but I bet they didn't. So clearly they didn't. Now there's a real genuine court case. And I think you're right. They're going to settle and probably for a big chunk of cheddar. Chris, you hear about this. I mean, look, people, when anybody is making money, wherever you see somebody making a lot of money, you will see in the shadows of the trees a bunch of people lining up to sue those mm-hmm. people for one reason or to get some of that money. Yeah. But what do you think is going to happen here and what stands out to you about oh, it so man, far? man, it's the American way. <laughs> um, it, it's a, it seems like such a cash grab, right? And of course, you know, like Rob was saying, this is step one when you're producing a film. Let's make sure we have all of our I's dotted, our T's crossed to make sure we actually own the thing we're trying to do. But in their defense, 2020 was like 15 years and this movie was supposed to come out before. I do think it's super, super odd to buy something and then not own it. I don't understand that concept. And I I know it's so that, you know, IP can be done by other people and all this other stuff. But this whole situation is just gross, honestly. It just seems like such a weird cash grab. First of all, who reads California Magazine? Who read is this it back in the eighties? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't my, even know if it's still a thing. My understanding is that it's a Berkeley Alumni Association uh, magazine. Well, then there's no excuse. So, I mean, <laughs> Berkeley grads, what's going on? This this is beneath you. Um, I just think this is so tacky. That's my biggest issue with this. The whole thing just feels gross. And this is this is something that we should be celebrating how well Top Gun's doing. And we're going to talk about that later. Oh, they but, are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're celebrating. <laughs> Make no mistake. But to be fair, to be fair, if I found out, if I found out that, let's say, I don't know, what's a Squid Game? Let's take a recent big hit, mm-hmm. okay? Let's say that I came up with the concept of Squid Game when I was 12, okay? So you're going back decades. And I had sold the, for a pack of bubble gum and a, and a, and a hamburger, I had sold the rights to it to somebody else, whatever. To be fair, if I found out now today that... Even though really, in in the spirit of it, I really should have no right to any of that. But if I found out today that there was a perfectly legitimate legal avenue that was available to me, I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't admit right now, I'd be investigating how I can get some of them millions of dollars put into my lap too. Mm-hmm. If it's a totally legal above way thing that's a part of legislation that's been passed and it's a part of the law of the land and it was legal there for me to try to get some of that money, I, I got to tell you guys, it, it may feel icky, but who among us, if it was totally legitimate, wouldn't at least investigate getting some of that money? Ray Aura know. wouldn't. Ray Aura wouldn't. Nah. He's too pure and sweet. He'd, He'd be, like, be well, like, give me a hot toy and I'm yeah. good. <laughs> but, but you know, John, you, you pointed something out. I mean, again, we always belabor this point, but this is a legitimate cost. I mean, the, the origins of Top Gun was based on this article. The first thing you should have done is secured the basis of your sequel. Yeah, this is this is a, a complete lack of due diligence on the part of the, the producers of Top Gun. hundred percent, and the studio. Yeah, you and know? granted, this is a relatively new thing, right? I mean, so this whole thing about people being able to come back and get their copyright back after thirty something years, this is a relatively new thing. So it may have blindsided some people, but if you're paying attention and this is your job. They should have been all over this. Yeah, and it's not even an issue of copyright. I mean, it's it's to me, I mean, it is an issue of copyright, but in terms of them, you know, they owe money. You, you can make one movie, unless, the, unless it specifically states in the contract you can make a sequel. You can't just go ahead and make a sequel. you got to pay again. 
and even with the laws changed and new rules and new court cases. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? There's a family saying, uh-uh, the rights to Top Gun are ours. Again, you didn't pay. Uh, Paramount's obviously going to dispute this. What do you think is going to turn out here? I'll tell you exactly how this is going to turn out. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. Here's how it's all going to work out. <laughs> Paramount's going to write a check. The only yeah. question is at this point is how big is that check going to be? But they're going to write a check. Top Gun won't get pulled out of theaters, but they'll use it as leverage. Anyway, guys, yeah. what do you make of all this? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we pick our main topics here on the John Campus Show? Well, it's really rather simple. See, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic here is going to come from Anonymous. Oh, there we go. Arm 84. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Scrubs, season nine not included. And with the Friends <laughs> HBO Max reunion, do you think Disney and Bill Lawrence would be open to a Scrubs reunion, most likely on Disney Plus? Were you a fan of the show? Johnny C as Dr. Cox is my all-time favorite TV character. Thanks. Love the show. All right. Here's something I'm going to let you know a little secret about Arm 84. That email was not sent in this week. It was sent in one year and two days ago. This is when that email was sent in. I actually went digging through the archives of emails that have been sent in, and that came sent in. And I decided to use that email because something really relevant happened in regards to what Arm was asking about. Here's basically the situation. Scrubs was a massive, po massively popular sitcom at the time when it was out. It was actually, frankly, one of the best written sitcoms, especially of the era. It was quick. It was so well-paced, had a frantic nature to it, but you adored and loved the characters. Like all the main characters. Actually, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, John C. McGinty? Is that the yeah. actor's yeah. name? His Dr. Cox was, was like my favorite television on character at the time. I just love that character. They're all great. It's McGinley. McGinley? McGinty? Well, I'm not McGinley, really sure. Anyway, either way, he's great. And he wants to know, what do you do here? Uh, some of you, <laughs> good, good on you if you know that reference. At any rate, in an era that we live in now where everybody is lining up to get a revival of a show, some working very, very well, including something like Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> which is returning to a thing that was 30 plus years old, there's been a lot of talk about maybe a, re a revival, if you will, a reunion of Scrubs. And guess what? It may very well happen. This comes us from the folks over at IndieWire. They were doing a television festival down in Texas, and they were asked, hey, do you think you guys could do a reunion? And this is what God said. I think we all kind of want it, said Donald Faison, one of the stars of Scrubs. We would all love to work together again and work. And uh, it's just really hard. It can be an all it can be a full season of a show. It can't be a full season of a show, I should say. It would have to be a movie or something. This dude pointing at Bill Lawrence, who, by the way, is also the showrunner of Ted Lasso, is never going to be free again. But. We are going to do it, Flynn said to applause from the packed Paramount Theater crowd. We're going to do it because we're lucky enough people that people care, Lawrence said. If you're lucky enough to be able to work with people you love, run to it. The cast and creator were clear that nothing formal is in the works. So now you have Bill Lawrence 
again, who's also the showrunner of Ted Lasso, he's saying, we're going to do it. We're going to do it because I love this. I love these people, whatever. Now, Donald Faison kind of pointed out that it's probably going to be somewhere in the lines of a movie and not a full season of a show, which is perfectly fine. Listen, one of my favorite things on TV for the past couple of years has been the COVID Parks and Recreation reunion TV special. That was great. It felt like they never missed a week. Like as soon as I tuned in, it's like I never missed a week. It made my heart smile. I loved it so much. The idea of coming back and revisiting this again is pretty cool. Quick Donald Faison story. I was at the premiere for Star Wars. I think it was the, the, uh, the Last Jedi. And I go into the bathroom at the after party and Donald Faison walks in and he's standing at the urinal next to me. And he looks over and he looks over again and goes, I love Jedi Council. (laughs) That was just one of the most awkward yet really cool experiences at a urinal that I had ever had. so on brand. Wow. I love that. Anyway, that was good. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. What do you think? Like hearing what Lawrence is saying, do you think we could be seeing a reunion of the Scrubs crew? And do you think there's an audience who would want to see it? Oh, there absolutely is because they have that wonderful podcast fake doctors, real friends, Yes, that is wildly successful. So people still love not only hearing about Scrubs, but seeing Zach Braff and Donald Faison interacting together. I mean, that friendship was the lifeblood of that show. And Dr. Cox is one of the best television characters ever. I completely agree with the writer here <laughs> who wrote in this question. I think with the, the big boom we saw of these reunion shows, it's absolutely feasible. But this is one that I think people would actually tune into and really, really enjoy. As long as we don't do anything that was in that, you know, unspoken of season where we were doing med school what stuff. What was the thought process was behind so that? Bad. It was so bad. I want to know what idea lost out to that one. It was, <laughs> gosh, it's so bad. But I really, really think people would tune in. I would. Rob, what do you think about this story? Look, I think that that <laughs> with everything that's getting revived, why not? I li- Even I... Mr. I don't watch sitcoms. I liked Scrubs and it was a great show, really well written. I really liked the cast and why not? I mean, if people are going to watch it, you know, uh, I think that, that, uh, it's good for everybody. By the way, look at Zach Braff. He's going out with Florence Pugh, you know? Yeah. He's life is good. good if, he's, he's got his own series now on Disney plus. He, he's doing all right. Life is good. If, if you're Zach Braff. Yeah. Good very, for you, very Zach. Good. Well done. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you make of this? Do you Would you like the idea of a Scrubs reunion movie? I'm not going to lie to you. I'd be all over it. I yeah. think it would be fantastic. What do you guys think? Whatever your thoughts are, jump on down to the converse, in the comment section below and leave them there. Okay, guys. Before we move on to our next topic here today, we want to take a second to thank one of the sponsors of our episodes. If you're feeling thirsty, good news. One of our sponsors is Liquid IV. We want to take a minute and thank the sponsors of this video, Liquid IV. Now listen, just one stick of Liquid IV added to 16 ounces of water will hydrate you faster and more efficiently than just water alone. It contains five essential vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course vitamin C with three times the electrolytes as traditional sports drinks. And what makes Liquid IV so effective is the science of cellular transport technology or CTT. See, it's designed to enhance rapid absorption of water and other key ingredients into your bloodstream faster and more 
more efficiently. You know, Ann and I get up pretty early in the morning to go to the gym because we can't go to the gym at any other time during the day. And for the last couple of weeks, I have been drinking one full glass of water with Liquid IV. And all I can tell you is you can feel the difference during the workout. So go and grab Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code CAMPIA at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code CAMPIA, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today when you go to liquidiv.com. And remember, use the promo code at checkout, CAMPIA. And a big thanks to our friends at Liquid IV for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from Alan Greggs. Hi, John. Easily my most anticipated thing coming to TV is the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. I thought the trailer looked great, and I love what I've been seeing so far. Did you see that George R.R. R. Martin is saying the writing in the series is even better than his writing? Is it because it's complete? What do you think of his comments? comments and where is your anticipation right now for House of the Dragon? Thank you. Ooh, George R.R. R. Martin is sitting somewhere right now feeling a burn in his ass. And what happened? Come after me, Martin. <laughs> anyway, yeah, listen, House of the Dragon is one of the most interesting projects coming. Like a lot of us extremely excited about it but there's also some in some segments there's also some mixed feelings because some people inexplicably me didn't like the final season of game of thrones which i thought was freaking brilliant come at me um and and you know one set the record for winning more emmys than any other season of television in history it was quite a big win but the reality is it didn't work for everybody and it left some people feeling like the final episode or final season i should say was a bit of a letdown so going into a new game of thrones series there's some trepidation on, on the behalf of some of those people who didn't quite like the, the final season or so saying, can they recapture that magic? Can they get there again? They released the first couple of promo spots. I thought they looked like a lot of fun and really good. And they definitely felt like we were going back to those kingdoms, kingdoms again. So it's working for me. But now George R. R. Martin has kind of chimed in and he has seen nine out of the 10 episodes. And he is just singing from the rooftops about how great he thinks these things are, even suggesting that the screenwriters have improved on his writing. This is what George R. R. Martin had to say that comes to us from IndieWire. He said, I've now watched rough cuts of nine of the 10 episodes, and I continue to be impressed, Martin wrote. I cannot speak to the special effects, many of which are not in yet, but the look of it is great, and the acting, the directing, the writing are all first rate. And yes, for all of you book fans, it is my story. Sure, there are some changes from Fire and Blood. We could not present three alternative versions of every major event, not, not and keep our sanity. But I think Ryan Condal and his writers made good choices, even some improvements. Heresy, I know, being the author, I'm allowed to say so. And that comes to us from IndieWire. All right, a couple things here. As somebody who is very much looking forward to this show, not quite as much as the Lord of the Rings show, but still very, very excited about this particular show. By the way, how great is it that we're going to have both of these shows running at the same time? This so is exciting. this is going to be some sick good time to be a TV fan. But as somebody who's excited about this show, this is even more exciting to me. To hear the author of the show come out, or the author of the original stories come out and say, look, this is great. It makes changes. To, to my original story, yes, but they were necessary and they work. It looks great. The acting superb. By the way, he goes on in this story to write about how or to talk about uh, Patty Constantine, who he said is just kills it. 
He said, basically, he's coming to life on the screen better than he did in the pages of my book, which mm -hmm. is absolutely incredible to hear. But to hear a guy like this come out and say, I think an author come out and say, it might even make some improvements over my work. That's pretty neat to hear. So it leaves me, look, somebody involved with the project says their project is great. Water is wet. Right. But George R. R. Martin is a little more conservative at that in, in handing out praise like that. So it's exciting for me to hear. Rob, you hear what Martin has to say. Does this do anything to move the needle for you on House of the Dragon? <clears throat> yeah, no, it does. You know, George R. R. Martin does have a long history in TV way before uh, Game of Thrones. He was a, I think he was the creator and producer of the old Beauty and the Beast television show with Linda Hamilton. And Really? And, yeah. And Ron Perlman? Yeah, and Ron Perlman. Wow, and, that was and, a show. Yeah, yeah, that was a show. And, and, and that was a huge phenomenon when it was on. People love that show. So he he has a long, he's written, uh, they adapted his story Sand Kings for the Outer Limits revival, the television show that was out of Canada. Um, so he's, he's had a long history in TV. And if he says something is good, I mean, obviously, actor loves new movie. You know, producer loves, author loves great adaptation of his own books film at 11 um so th this is not something that's unusual but for him to come out and say this now i i i'm 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 cautiously optimistic i think the show looks great look i love give me that political intrigue i guess it's about the civil war between the targaryen clan you know yeah. whatever right up my alley and i think you know this day and age that kind of those political machinations always work well on tv if they're well done and I, for one, I look forward to going back to Westeros. This is not, this is not something that is. I might not have loved the last season of Game of Thrones, but overall, Game of Thrones is an incredible achievement in the annals of television. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable show, and to go back to this world, it's an embarrassment of riches. And if the author says that it's good, I'm excited, man. Chris, what do you make of his uh, comments here? I mean, Drogon level burns aside. <laughs> I, I think this is great. It is really difficult to adapt things for television film. It's really, really hard to take massive novels and make them work on the screen. So I do love that he's saying that this is, you know, a real triumph. And he, they've taken his writing and elevated it in a way. I wasn't a big fan of the last season of Game of Thrones. Ooh, what a hot take. But, you know... It doesn't negate how much I enjoyed the other seasons. Yeah, that's right. Um, I also started watching the show on Red Wedding, which was a hell of a way to jump in there. My friends I think were watching it. A lot of people it. did. Yeah, and then I was just like, "Oh, what's happening? Oh, this is horrible. I love it." <laughs> I think I think this is also it's set far enough away from what we saw before in Game of Thrones that yeah. there's so much story here, and even though we know how things pan out far in the future, there's so much to delve in here. It's you know. It's got a, a Tolkien-esque kind of historical view, right? Yeah. And I love that. And I'm so excited that I'll get to compare and contrast the two. You know, John, it's really going to be interesting, like you pointed out, to have both of these shows running concurrently. They're both kind of doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're showing us the history of these lands that we're, we're already very familiar with. So it's going to be interesting to compare and contrast the two while yeah. they're going on. And, you know, I, George R. R. Martin made a great comment the other week that we talked about on the show. And George R. R. Martin said, you know, people running, is your show going to be better? And blah, blah, blah. He goes, who cares? He goes, we're science fiction fans. This is amazing. That Lord of the Rings, like George R. R. Martin was geeking out and saying, this is so great that we're going to have our show and we're going to have the Lord of the Rings show running at the same time. It's a wet dream. If you're a sci-fi, you know, a uh, literature fan, this is going to be incredible. He goes, of course, I hope we win more awards, <laughs> but I mean, it's just an exciting time. And, and it is an exciting time. I can't wait to see this. Anyway, guys, question is for you. 
What do you think about the comments from George R. R. Martin talking about the House of the Dragon? Are you excited for it? Are you like some people where you're a little bit cautious because of the way that Game of Thrones ended for you? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one is from BJ Myers. Good afternoon, everyone. Okay, if this is true, then I think you're going to hear a lot of outrage. So apparently at a convention this week, Nev Campbell revealed to the audience that she's not going to return for the next Scream movie. She said it's over issues she has with the script. So my question is, with a property like Scream that relies a lot on nostalgia and the returning main characters, should they even bother to do the next one if Sydney isn't there? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yeah, look, you guys know, I am not a Scream fan. I, I, I like I like the first Scream as much as anybody else. But honestly, I thought the subsequent films came after that were all desperate, low-quality cash grabs. Which, newsflash, every movie ever made is a cash grab. But still, I, I felt like they were just kind of schlock. I've not really enjoyed them, and a lot of people get angry when I say that. And then this newest Scream came out. And I went totally, you know, with not high expectations. The trailers did look good to me. Mm -hmm. They did. But I went in very pessimistic. And I think, Ray, you were there with me when I went to go see it for the first. Ray and Anne came with. And we went to go see it. And you know what? I had a good time. I had fun watching that movie. There was a couple of major logic problems in that movie. Like, major. wait a minute. If that person's that, how did that happen? Never mind. Don't look behind the curtain. But that aside... I had to admit, as not a Scream fan, I came out saying, you know what? That was fun. I had a good time watching that movie. And it did real well for a little low-budget thing that they did. It did real well. They immediately started talking about doing Scream 6. And Hayden, uh, I never knew how to pronounce Hayden's last name. Panettiere? Panettiere? Yeah. Whatever. She's the cheerleader. Yeah. Save the cheerleader, save the world. So, and she was a Klitschko. Wasn't she married yeah, to a Klitschko? Yeah, Were she actually, did her and the Klitschko actually get married? I think they actually had a baby. Did they? Yeah. Oh, wow. That kid's going to be tough. Uh, anyway, so she's coming back, all that kind of stuff. But it just kind of became an assumption because one of the big cool things is to have, you know, Sydney and all the other cast of characters in there. And now she's saying she ain't coming back. Or at least that's what's reported being, say, being said. This comes to us from JoeBlow.com, who wrote the following. They said this. Has Sydney Prescott's scream story officially ended? I guess you should take this with a grain of salt, but Nev Campbell was present at Monster Palooza at the Pasadena Convention Center this weekend, and several attendees are reporting that the actress said she will not be returning for Scream 6. The news comes from several attendees that have posted online that Campbell has stated that she will not be involved in the upcoming Scream 6 after reading the script because, according to Campbell, via the attendees, it didn't do Sydney justice. So that comes to us from Joe Blow. Okay. First of all, let's acknowledge what Joe Blow mentioned. Take it with a grain of salt. We don't have film footage of this. We don't have anything. We don't have any official statements. But several attendees jumped online to say what she said at the convention. So let's for a moment assume, and I know what when you assume, you make an ass out of you and you. But let's assume for a second that it is straight up exactly the way they described that. She said, yeah, I read the script. And I'm not going to be involved. It doesn't do Sydney justice. Okay. First thing is first. If she doesn't have a contract to do Scream 6, she can choose to do whatever movie she wants to or not. 
If she doesn't have in black and white signed contract that says she has to appear in Scream 6, she doesn't have that, she can, she can just say, my tummy doesn't feel good today. She doesn't need an excuse to not be in Scream 6, right? She's an under no obligation to be in Scream 6. That being said, it never sits right with me when an actor says, that script isn't doing to the character that I play what I want them to do. It's like, you do know the character doesn't belong to you, right? You were hired to come in and play the character that somebody else created, to say lines that somebody else wrote, to do things that a director will direct, right? So uh, again, I, I don't want to come across like I'm bashing on Nev Campbell here. Again, if she doesn't have a contract to do it, she can say, you know what? I read the script and it doesn't sound like it would be a fun time for me to come and do it. And if that's the case, that's the case. And that's perfectly fine. If that is the case, that said, as somebody who's not a big scream fan, I have to acknowledge that any enthusiasm and excitement I would have, not that I would be super enthused or excited, but any that I did have takes a bit of a hit to find out that the flagship character of the franchise who made a big splash, like one of the big lines in the, uh, in the trailer that really won me over was when she's on the phone with somebody and they say, do you have a gun? And she's like, I'm Sidney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Like that was one of the moments in the trailers that to me really won me over. I'm just saying if she ain't going to be there, it takes a little bit of my enthusiasm away. Uh, John, I got an update for you about the story from people. Okay. Um, from people. Yes. Yeah. She says, I felt the offer that was presented to me did not equate to the value I have brought to the franchise. So it's about, it's about money. So now, so, so to the fans, you say the script didn't do Sydney justice to people magazine. You'd say, yeah, I bet. Listen, she's not wrong. Again, if you don't already have a contract that says what you're supposed to be paid and you get to make up a new contract with every movie. If you're like, listen, I bring this amount of value to this project. I should be paid that amount. If she doesn't want to do it, she doesn't want to do it. So again, it goes back to what we said before. Whatever her reasons are, she can have any reason she wants. She's not obligated to do this movie. But whether it's for she didn't like the way Sydney was written or whether it was for she's not feeling like with the big windfall that the last screen made that they're not going to compensate her well enough to do it, that's within her rights. Rob, I'm saying for me, and I'm only speaking for myself here, but I'm saying for me, any excitement level I have for this movie conceptually without Nev Campbell in it? goes down do you think other people will feel that as well and will that kind of force a deal to be made here oh john i think yes <laughs> i i mean this, this is sydney prescott's franchise i mean you can have dewey you know you can have arquette what that's true too but that's what this franchise is it was based around her she was the star of the first movie she came back in this movie it surprises me that they wouldn't have signed the cast for three movies to like do a trilogy or something. Maybe the money wasn't there, so they couldn't do it. Maybe they thought it was only going to be a one-off, but now look what you're at. You look, she is negotiating. Yeah. She's now negotiating with the press. She was at Monster Palooza. She started her negotiations. Now she's in People Magazine. Someone's pissed. Someone, the studio, what, what is this? Is this, is Miramax, who owns Scream now? Universal? I don't know. I wanted to say Miramax, but yeah, like Miramax, that's not, Yeah, not they're sure not there anymore. anymore. So look, th that's what she's doing. She's negotiating and they're going to back up a Brinks truck. I mean, not a not a lot because this isn't a, a billion dollar franchise, but it's a hundred million, a hundred billion dollar franchise. So that's pretty good, right? I mean, it's not what, so she's negotiating and, and what's going to happen is they'll, they'll probably make concessions. They'll rewrite the script a little bit. If that's true, she doesn't, Sydney didn't get justice. They probably made her the killer. 
You know, she's had enough of this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done screaming. Um, and I scream. <laughs> and, so, and so, uh, uh, they, they do that. And, and that's probably it. They probably gave her it. She's gonna. She's a star. Yeah. By the way, I, I should let me backtrack just a little bit here. Nev Campbell is, of course, a good Canadian kid, which means they should give her whatever they want. So that being said, all the monies, all, all the, the monies should all go the to the good loonies? Canadian kids. All the loonies. Very good. Yes. The loonies and the toonies. Don't oh. forget about the toonies. Oh, Our two dollar coin in Canada. Oh. Um, anyway, Chris, you hear about this. What do you think is going to happen here? Well, like my esteemed colleague here said, she's an iconic final girl. Sydney Prescott is the lifeblood of Scream. And frankly, it's why I don't think the other films did well. This is a horror franchise I'm actually familiar with, y'all. Love the first <laughs> Scream. Messed me up. Um, I I love Nev Campbell. And she's doing really well right now, too. She's on Lincoln Lawyer, which is getting surprisingly good ratings good. and people tuning in. It's really well done. So I think she's got room to groove here. Give her that money. Play speaking, your cards. Speaking of Lincoln Lawyer, it's a little bit of a sore spot around here because... <gasps> They had the Lincoln Lawyer show all set up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Cummings was one of the leads in it. Oh. And then the whole project got scrapped because of COVID. No. And then when they started over from scratch, they they assembled a whole new cast and whatever like that. Yeah, I, Aaron will have to confirm all the details there. But yeah, it was something she oh, had. Does that mean I have to stop it. watching the show in solidarity? No, no, no. no nobody's, <laughs> okay. nobody's fault. There was no malicious intent there or anything like that. But yeah, so oh, I don't know. I, I would. Like, so what about you guys? You guys who are maybe bigger fans of the Scream franchise. Maybe I'm overestimating how important she is to it. But it's like, I don't know that I would have even gone to see the new one if she wasn't in there. And I don't know if that I have any interest in seeing the next one if she's not. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Interesting story developing here with Nev Campbell. But listen, if you've got a story to tell, you're making videos. One of the best services you can have, I have used them for years, is one of the sponsors of our show today, the good folks over at Storyblocks. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Storyblocks. Guys, I have been an enthusiastic fan and user of Storyblocks for years. I go to them whenever I'm in need of content creation assets like royalty-free music, video clips, or templates for my creative projects, ranging anywhere from little editorial videos to my very own full feature documentary. Storyblocks helps you bring your stories, videos, and projects to life without sacrifices due to time, budget, or access to resources. They have over 1 million different story assets, ranging from stock videos, audio and music, an in-browser video editor, and they feature pre-designed templates, animations, and outros. Storyblocks uses an affordable subscription model and their unlimited access plans offers, well, unlimited video and audio downloads rather than a costly pay-per-clip model. With Storyblocks, you'll be able to create more content and more importantly, better content, all while using a subscription plan that fits your budget, utilizing unlimited downloads of demand-driven and diverse content. So if you're interested in upping your content creation game, head over to W www.storyblocks.com slash campia and get started today. That's www.storyblocks.com slash campia. And a big thank you to the folks at Storyblocks. Guys, no, seriously, I have been using Storyblocks and been a member of them for years. I use them on a lot of editorial videos. I use them on my own documentary. Uh, they're fantastic. So if you want to support any of our sponsors, and by the way, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting our show. We have links to them right down in the description of this video. Check them out there with promo codes. Because again, when you support our sponsors, you're supporting us as well. 
All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? This one comes from Jared P. Hi, John and crew. I know there's been a lot of talk about when we're going to see Deadpool show up in the MCU, but the bigger question has been about Deadpool's R-rated content. I know they've said they'd let Deadpool be R-rated, but would they let it really be R-rated? <laughs> like, would they let the super edgy jokes go through? Well, the writers are saying Disney has been very supportive of their R-rated uh, vision. How do you interpret that? How R-rated will Deadpool 3 actually be? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And you know, obviously, when the Fox acquisition by Disney was all happening. The, the main thing that a lot of big movie fans and comic book movie fans were really excited about was X-Men. Obviously X-Men, obviously also Fantastic Four, but not to be lost in all that was Deadpool. And a lot of people thought, how is this gonna work? <laughs> how are you going to take this Ryan Reynolds masterpiece for that is extremely off-brand for Disney? And bring it into the MCU. Now, there are some people like myself who really wish that their X-Men and maybe even maybe even Deadpool would be kept in a separate universe. To be honest, I would prefer that, but they're not going to do that, and that's perfectly fine. Kevin Feige is going to do a great job either way. And a little while ago, when being asked about Blade, Kevin Feige confirmed that Blade will not be rated R. And he said, yeah, we, are, we, we feel no need at Marvel to delve into R-rated material. But he did say with the exception being Deadpool. Because Deadpool, of course, is already established. If there had not been a Ryan Reynolds Deadpool up till now, I'm totally convinced there is a way they could do a Deadpool and make it PG-13. Yeah. I mean, if Stranger Things can be rated, it's movie equivalent PG-13, and that's horrifically graphic. It's terrifying. Then you can find a way to make Deadpool. But the fact of the matter is, there are those two other Deadpool movies. We as an audience now have an expectation about what Deadpool is and what he does and how he acts and more importantly, what he says. So Kevin Feige said, with the exception Deadpool, will let Deadpool be rated R. But really, it's a really good question. Okay, they'll let him be rated R. But will they really let him be really rated R? Will you have a National Women's Day joke like they had in the first Deadpool in this so. thing in Disney? I mean, I don't know if they will, but right now... The writers of the original Deadpool movies and this new one are saying Disney is actually all behind them. This is what they had to say. This comes from the folks at IndieWire wrote the following. They've been very supportive with regards to that, uh, Reese said, of the franchise's famously adult sense of humor. Now, when it comes to a particular joke, if we cross a line, maybe we'll hear at some point, maybe not that joke. But I think they've been incredibly supportive of what we're doing because obviously we were doing it separate from them for a long time. And I think they've seen the success that they've had, uh, the success that we've had, and they've had their own even greater success. So hopefully it'll be a marriage made in heaven. But we've definitely got their support, and that's a great thing to feel. And that, of course, written from anywhere. So Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, the two writers who did Deadpool 1, Deadpool 2, they're now doing Deadpool 3. These guys are super busy. They're super great. I've had them in my studio before. They're awesomely wonderful guys. Very open and generous with talking about details and things like that. So I like the fact that they're self-aware enough that we are working for Disney now and that they said, you know, hey, at some point we may write something that they'll come back and say, maybe not that joke, but so far, nothing. They've been just supportive. They've been writing. And again, remember, this is not some new set of writers. 
that is coming to write Deadpool now for Disney. And they said, yeah, you can make a radar. These are the same guys who said, go ahead and do your thing. And they're doing it. And so far, Disney hasn't come back to them with any notes yet. Yet. <laughs> but I mean, like they've been writing this thing for months yeah. mm -hmm. and still have gotten no notes. Everything's moving ahead. And I've heard a production date is actually starting to be circled. They, of course, announced they've got a new director on board, who's, of course, the same guy who directed Ryan Reynolds in uh, Free, uh, Guy Free Guy and, and Adam the Adam Project, which Sean is Levy. surprisingly good. Sean mm -hmm. Levy. And everything's coming together well. How rated are they going to go? This is, this is what my thought here is. Under Bob Iger, they'd be rated R, not borderline NC-17. And this is the one time I'll say something maybe positive about Disney being under Bob JPEG, JPEG's leadership here now. I have a feeling they may adopt the attitude of this. If we're going to cross that line, F it. Just, you might as well go all the mm -hmm. way. I mean, if we're going to be rated R as it is, what's the point in pulling punches at this point? Go all the way with it. And it sounds like that's what they're doing at this point. Anyway, Chris... You hear the writers of Deadpool are saying they're really supportive of what we're doing. They haven't told us no to any of the jokes that we're writing. Yeah. How rated R can this thing really be? What do you think? Oh, man. Cross that line. John, <laughs> as a fan of very inappropriate humor and foul language, I am so excited about this. It makes me very, very happy that everyone's trucking along with this and they're staying the course on bringing the filthy. <laughs> What I'm hoping is that we've got that lovely little quote there, right? Of if we cross a line, if a joke goes too far, cross it, baby. <laughs> Take that joke too far. I have the headcanon now that we're going to have a David Fincher rule of you can tell me to change something, but I'm only going to change it once. And then right. we have something like the uh, the abortion joke that then became the grade school joke in Fight Club. Right. Right. Which is <laughs> so much worse. So, so much. Worse. Oh, I love it so much. So I am so, so excited about this, especially because like you were saying, it's going to be rated R regardless. So you could drop three F-bombs and call it a day. Or you could go hog wild. So bring it on, guys. Rob, we've always said the tricky line that they're going to have to be careful of, right, is the fact that if you want to put Deadpool in other MCU movies, Kevin Feige's already said, we're not doing rated R with any of our other movies, Deadpool being the exception. The thing they got to be careful about here is that you have Deadpool in another Marvel movie and the kids love him. And it's great because he's not rated R. He's he's doing family-friendly stuff. And then all of a sudden you have, now Deadpool 3 is coming. And parents think, well, cool. I'll bring little Timmy who loved him in Hawkeye season three. I'll take him along to go see Deadpool. Oh my God, what is happening? You know, that sort of thing. So they do have to be a little bit careful and cautious. But how far do you think they can go with Deadpool 3? <clears throat> and to go a little bit further where's your thoughts right now on how they're going to make Deadpool fit in with an existing Marvel Cinematic Universe? How do you see all this? Well, first of all, Deadpool, extremely successful. The first one made, what, $750 million. I think the second one even went up to $800 million. Something so like that, yeah. you're looking at a $1.6 billion franchise. That's great. I think making a Deadpool 3 had to be inevitable. They're not going to leave that money on the table. But I do think that there's, you know, John, as you know, there's degrees of R-rated material. Like you said, you can go to the borderline of NC-17, or you could live on the borderline of R and PG-13 if you wanted to, depending on... Getting the same rating either way. What kind of jokes <laughs> you're going to tell. Yeah, and I, and I think, look, I think they have to be... They're going to have a field day 
the meta nature of the movie with the fact that this is being released by Disney underneath with their 20th century banner, I'm sure. But though, I mean, the jokes alone about being at Disney are going to be hilarious, whatever they are. But I do think that there's a way to do this film. Maybe the International Women's Day jokes might take a back seat because also the hell's a pop in nature of how he cuts off people's limbs. That's funny, too. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you I, I think I think that Disney wouldn't have as much of a problem. You shy away from the body sexual humor and you embrace more of the uh, anarchy of the character. You know, hacking away limbs on other bad dudes is not necessarily as bad as making other kinds of jokes. So I think it's the kind of material. I think they can get away with it. I think it's going to be good. I think they got the same writers on it. They'll they'll want to have that billion dollar. They're going to expect a billion dollar gross, I think, mm-hmm. from this movie. Or at least 700. That at least. Been same, at yeah. least. And that's still a tall order. You know, Doctor Strange passed nine hundred million this yes, weekend. Yes, it did. So the I think they're going to want that kind of money. I think we're going to see it. I think it's going to get made. I think everyone. Ryan Reynolds is having a good time, especially with Sean Levy. Free guy, big success. The Adam Project people really liked, and this relationship with Ryan Reynolds and and Sean Levy is good. I don't see any downside for the studio for this at all. And they're going to turn the fact that Disney's. Can you imagine the ad campaign of 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 whatever they whatever cockamamie billboards they come up with, it's all going to be, can you believe that Disney let us make an R-rated movie? <laughs> you know, it's going to be hilarious. Whatever they do, it's going to be It's going to be Mouseketeers and pegging. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> well, you might have still had me just torpedoed in the movie. <laughs> I mean, I see, I can already envision a brilliant wow. ad campaign. A brilliant ad campaign because, you know, Deadpool had revolutionized the way you can market these movies, right? I see a thing like an ad campaign of how the MCU would have been better if I was here all along. And you have the scene where they're maybe in, in Infinity War where they're debating, like where Captain America says, we don't trade lives. Like, well, what if we just destroy the stone right now and and kill Vision? And then Deadpool would have been right and just have Deadpool <laughs> right up and drive a sword right through Vision's head. Or something oh, along those lines. You it'd do be that. like when they did the Lilo and Stitch promos, and it'd be Stitch popping yes. into things and messing stuff up. That's exactly ah, it. That's, that's exactly awesome. it. If they could do something like that, where you pick like four or five different scenes from the MCU and bring the actors back to reenact it, and have Deadpool going through and just doing something offensively violent that would have ended the problem right there. I think there's your billion dollar marketing idea, mm-hmm. right? I totally forgot about that Lilo and Stitch. That Loved was, it. That's a perfect call out. And he that. is already in the. We saw at the end of Deadpool too. He's already in the multiverse. Deadpool's traveling around through history and mm-hmm. the past. The part where he goes back and murders himself reading the Green Lantern script. That is like, that's so one of the good. best things ever. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? The writers for Deadpool who wrote Deadpool 1 and 2 and are doing 3 are saying, so far, Disney's like gloves off. They're like, you write the thing. They haven't given them any notes. They're saying, you do your R-rated thing. How rated R can they go? How do you think they're going to fit that into the rest of the MCU? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Mouseketeers and pegging. I broke Rob. <laughs> Get over it. I just like... Wow, I'm so glad you said that and I didn't. Someone in the chat already was like, Chris can make dirty things sound so classy. And I was like, no, I can't. My mother's embarrassed of me every waking moment. All right, guys, with that down, let's now move on to our fifth and final main topic today. Chris, 
What is our fifth main topic today? This one's from Mark Wallace. We knew Top Gun Maverick was going to have a good second weekend drop, given the word of mouth. But I don't think anybody, not even Tom Cruise himself, would have believed that would drop only 32.1%, making it the best second weekend hold for a movie that made $100 million opening weekend. The previous best was Shrek 2, which dropped 33.2% from its $108 million opening weekend. What are your thoughts on this record-breaking second week hold for Top Gun Maverick? All right. If you guys will recall, last week, before going into the weekend, we said, my God, first of all, we've been gushing about Top Gun Maverick since we saw it at CinemaCon. Uh, what is that, like now five, six weeks ago? I can't remember how long ago it was. But we went to go see it at CinemaCon, and we were floored by it. We had such a great time with it, and we've been gushing about it. And it did great. And then last week we said, you know what? This thing has such positive word of mouth, and people are enjoying it so much. I made the following bold prediction. I said that any movie that opens to like over a hundred and whatever million dollars, it is not unusual to see those take like a 60% drop because everybody went to go see it first weekend. I said, I'll go out on a limb. It was very brave of me. I said, I'll go out on a limb here. I think this thing drops closer to 50, not the 60 that you normally see these big blockbusters. I think you're going to see a small drop. And Rob, you went even further. You said 49, 48 even maybe. Well, we were kind of right, but also like way off. And the news is even better than you sound. First of all, this comes to us from the good folks over at IndieWire who wrote, no, no, wrong one. Uh, this is bringing the other one. Over at uh, Ro Reuters who wrote this. Uh, thanks to positive word of mouth, rapturous reviews, and premium screens, ticket sales to Top Gun Maverick dropped only 32% from its $160 million debut over the long Memorial Day holiday weekend. It is the smallest second weekend decline for a movie that opened to $100 million or more, according to Comscore. That's an especially impressive benchmark, even for a, re even for a re reviewed movie, because blockbusters like Maverick tend to be front-loaded and drop at least 50% after opening weekend. By comparison, Spider-Man No Way Home and Marvel's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness each declined 67% in their second weekend. That's great. That sounds wonderful. Movie only dropped 32%, which already makes it statistically the greatest second weekend ever in film history Yay. for a big movie that opened to over $100 million. Here's the problem. That 32% is a lie. It wasn't 32%. Because the box those were based on box office estimates, but now we have what's called the box office actuals. And it's better. Oh. <laughs> it I was dropped again. 29%. Oh, which, yeah, it. get up for Come on, Come on Tom guys. Cruise. Go, Tommy. Tommy. Turns job, out he Tom. just needed to turn 60 in order to have his biggest opening weekend <laughs> film of everything. It actually made $90 million on its second weekend, dropping just 29%, already breaking what we thought was going to be the new record of the smallest drop ever. I think this the next best second weekend ever percentage-wise was Shrek 2. I think Shrek 2 dropped like 32.8% on a second weekend. And quite frankly, that was a record I never thought would be beat. Because just the way movie going is today, the behavior of the general audience is we all go to see the movies much more front-end loaded. Opening weekend is when you got to go. To have this kind of legs, 
is something we haven't seen, like I said, since Shrek. And I honestly never thought we would see again. 29%. I mean, even we were optimistic. We said, this is going to have a small drop, blah, blah, blah. I never imagined. No way Tom Cruise even remotely imagined that it would have this kind of a second weekend drop-off. This is the kind of legs that people dream of. Now, now, granted, it opened to $160 million. It didn't open to $250 million like a Spider-Man or something like that, which is going to have a bigger second weekend drop-off. Yes, but still, for a movie that opened as big as this thing did, to have only a 29% drop, I'll go out on a limb right now. I know I said it after Shrek, but I'll say it again. This will never happen again. I, I honestly do not believe we will ever again <clears throat> see a movie. Op- <laughs> <laughs> I smell a hot toy bed. <laughs> I sense a hot, to- a hot toy bed coming up. <laughs> no, I'm saying it would have dropped more if we got tickets because I wanted to see it you this mean weekend. You less. I, I dropped less. I, I, I sent you a text. I said, yeah. <laughs> I want to go see this in 4DX. And then I went to go look for seats. And they were just the worst seats. So mm-hmm. I said, let's watch it. This weekend, this, this coming, coming weekend. weekend, right? So it's gonna get get some business again this coming weekend. Which, by at the least way, us. I can't go this coming weekend. Oh. it's Anne and mine's anniversary, oh, okay, so we're going okay. to Vegas for the for the weekend. But you don't sure. want to spend it with Ray? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Anne wouldn't mind at all that. if I invited Ray to come along. As long as we see it in 4DX, maybe the weekend after that. Those theaters are so bad. Yeah. So again, I'll say it again. I don't think this is ever going to happen again. I don't think we will ever again see a movie open to like 120, 140, whatever million dollars and have like a 29% decline. Like, I'm afraid there are going to be people who look at this and don't really understand the significance of this. We've only, we haven't seen this before. And I don't think we're ever going to see it again. It is such a testament to the word of mouth. This is not the best film of the year. But it is an incredibly entertaining film that is just a good time to watch the movie. It's thrilling. It's got laughs in the right place. It pulls on the heartstrings in the right place. It's just a watchable and rewatchable movie. And if you haven't seen it yet, you do got to go out and see it. Anyway, Rob, you texted me you know, earlier in the weekend saying it looks like a 33% drop. And I was like, well, well, we don't have the actual numbers yet. Right, right. I thought the numbers might go up a little bit, but they went down what do you make of this, and what do you think is significant about it? Well, I, I think the ultimate lesson here is is that when you have filmmakers that really know what they're doing, you know, Tom Cruise has said, we waited a long time. This movie was in development for a long time. Tony Scott was going to direct it before he passed yeah. away. They, they really, the people that, this to me is a testament to having creative people that really know what they're doing. This also is a testament to the relationship that Tom Cruise has with Chris McQuarrie, who came on and wrote, did a rewrite on the script as a producer on this film. You know, you've got Jerry Bruckheimer, who's one of the great producers of the latter half of the 20th century coming back. You have a studio in Paramount. I don't know who it was, who the guy at Paramount was that said, you know what? No way. I agree with Tom Cruise. We are not putting this on Paramount plus during the pandemic. (laughs) One of the great kudos to the people of Paramount for, for doing that because I'm sure there was pressure, you know, to not, John, they held this movie for two years. Yeah. You know, that's a long time. And I think that this this goes as cynical as we can be about Hollywood. This shows to me what Hollywood does best. Creates grand entertainment in grand fashion. The people that created the original came back and Tom Cruise demanding, I don't want to do this unless we can get cameras in the cockpits. And I think that this film delivers on the promise. I think we live in a world, John, where we go to these movies, we get excited about them, and they let us down to a certain extent. 
for the most part, this movie exceeded expectations. You know, you think, hey, it could be good, right? I remember sitting in that theater with you. I don't remember. It was a week or a month ago. Watching this movie, I would call it delicious. It was just a delicious experience. From the opening, when you hear Danger Zone being played and they just show you this random, it's not even part of the movie, This random, these random shots on the aircraft carrier of those Hornets. Planes taken off. Planes taken off. It doesn't even have, it, Tom Cruise isn't even in those scenes. And it just shows that you cut to black, you fade up, and there's Tom Cruise in his, like he gets his own hanger. You know, whatever it is, I don't care. It was awesome. And everything about this movie, and then, of course, it's just basically, think about it. It's kind of a, it's kind of Star Wars. They have to blow up the Death Star at the end to the point where there's even an exhaust port, a thermal yep. exhaust yeah. port to get those proton torpedoes in there. You know, they used to shoot womp rats that weren't much bigger than that. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> With your T-16 back home? Um, yeah, I mean, dude, this movie just delivers. And when it delivers, you win. You know, it's funny you bring up this is also going to be, I think, a, a subject list that's going to be talked about for many, many, many years. Because correct me in the live chat if I'm wrong about this, but I believe it was 2018 when Tom Cruise walked out on the Hall D yep. stage. Is it Hall D? Is that yeah. right? Hall, H. Hall, Hall, H. Hall H. There we go. Walked out into the, it's been that's how long it's been since I've been Hall to the D, comic <laughs> Walked out on the stage at Hall H. The small and said. We're gonna. You're gonna be the first people to see the trailer for. That's, you're actually right. Top. I believe it was 2018, and here we are four years later. And you're right. The pressure that would have been there to say, "Look, the pandemic's got the theater shut down for extended period of time. We've got this movie. Let's get some benefit out of it." And Tom Cruise and obviously the right executives at Paramount drew the line and said, "No, we know we have a special film here." We know the amount of work that in this, and we know that there's a windfall at the end of this rainbow. We just have to be patient. And instead of doing what Universal did with some of those, ah, let's just throw it on streaming. Instead of doing what Warner Brothers idiotically did, let's do day and date release. That worked out great, didn't it? <laughs> Paramount said, you know what? It sucks that we got to sit on this, but sit we will because we're going to crap out gold at the end. And in two weeks, Ouch. in two weeks, Two weekends, not even a full two weeks. We're talking about 11 days. This movie is already the biggest film in Tom Cruise's history domestically. Already. I mean, it's crazy the rewards that they've gotten here. Anyway, Chris, you see this. You're hearing these numbers. What's the most significant part of this to you? I mean, the numbers are bananas, but I am going to be a little bit of a negative Nelly here. What? What was going to compete with it this week? Men? But we've seen lots of big movies open without stiff competition in their second weekends and still suffer. It's very, very impressive. But I mean, my theater, the the Regal near me, right, has this movie playing 15 times a day (laughs) and then everything else gets four uh, showtimes. So obviously everyone knows that Top Gun is the movie to go see this week and everything. I'm more interested to see how this is going to continue to go because I do think this does have legs. People are going back for these repeat views. Ray's going to be there this weekend. How is this going to stack up against Jurassic World Dominion? Oh, yeah, yeah, that well, that's that's a yeah. huge because because there's two factors there. Number one, Jurassic World. Yep. Number two, it is the third week, mm-hmm. right? So now really everybody has seen it. I know, Rob, how do you think? I mean, obviously Jurassic World is going to be the number one film at the box yeah. office of next week, obviously. What kind of a drop do we see 
for Top Gun. I mean, if this thing can just take like, if this thing can still make like 30 million on its third weekend, I think they take that as a big win. How do you think it'll do? Well, I I will judge by this. Quick story. Elizabeth's mom, who's in her late 70s, and her husband, who's in his 80s, Elizabeth's mom said, I'm sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> Somebody in the, uh, I think it was Cameron in the live chat, wrote it, uh, it had to compete against the re-release of Morbius. Yep. I'm so- and, and you know what? I, I stand corrected. <laughs> Morbius only competed against itself. And did you <laughs> read the that. Forbes article that said Morbius bombed twice? Because yeah. it only made like $84,000. Okay, okay, but. We'll get but, to that. No, it made like three, I think it was 300000 But 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 honestly, they they never intended the Morbius re-release to actually make money. Yeah, we didn't true. even know about it until 24 hours. It was they didn't market it. They I think they did it as a joke. But anyway, let's get back so, to the Okay, so the point stuff. is so so yesterday she came over to have wine and cheese. We're sitting by the pool and she says to me, she goes, Um, do you have the original Top Gun uh on Blu-ray? And and may I, I don't know her mother, but that's a dumb question. And man, well <laughs> and it was very funny. And I said, I I do. I do. I have multiple copies of it. I have Rob it in 3D. Like, I have moment. it in 4K. Finally. <laughs> Finally, my moment. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's like, me. here you go. And I went and got it and gave it to her because uh, Murray, the, her husband's daughter, Zoe, said they went and saw it and they loved it. So if you have people that are, you know, in their twilight years, uh, obviously avid moviegoers, asking, though, to see the original Top Gun and they plan on going to see Top Gun Maverick, this is not just every film. This is not just your normal blockbuster. This is a zeitgeist moment. You know, this is, I think there's there's something beyond, first of all, at the end of the day, it's a great movie. Highly entertaining. It delivers on every level. But there's also something else going on. And I think that at this time, in a way, this movie provides hope. You know, and that's just a pandemic. We got war in Ukraine. We've got all kinds of crazy financial stuff going on. Gas is going to top $10. You know, this... This movie reminds you of everything that's good about America. You know, there's something in addition to just being a good movie and Tom Cruise, you know, now, now even like you always say, winning cures everything. Nobody cares. Tom Cruise jumped on Oprah Winfrey's couch anymore. Everyone's a Tom Cruise fan again. This, this movie, Tropic Thunder fixed that. Yeah. It's just all, all good. And, and at the end of the day, dude, this was a great, great movie. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Top Gun Maverick just became the most successful statistically second weekend in history, dropping only 29% from a movie that opened to well over $100 million, opened at $160 million and still took that thing. I don't know that we will. I'm going to guess we're never going to see that again. What do you guys think about this? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. And you know, speaking of making old things new again, we are thrilled that one of our sponsors today was the very first sponsor of the John Campia Show, Aww. our friends over at GetUpside. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Upside. You guys remember a while ago, I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible, easy to use app for buying groceries, dining out, or even buying gas. And with every purchase you make at those shops, restaurants, or gas stations, you are earning cash back thanks to Upside. When I started using Upside, I was incredibly impressed with just how easy the app is to use and how easy it is to start accumulating cash that I can deposit directly into my bank account, PayPal, Amazon gift card, many different ways. And like I said, I was incredibly 
incredibly impressed at just how easy and simple and straightforward the process is to start getting cash back now. To get started, just download the free Upside app in the Apple App Store or Google Play. Use my promo code CAMPIA, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Once you've got the app, just claim an offer for whatever it is you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a debit card or a credit card, and get paid. So download the free Upside app and use promo code CAMPIA to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code CAMPIA. And a big thank you to our friends at Upside for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Once again, guys, you'll find the links plus promo codes to all of our sponsors here today down at the top of the description of this video. Go and check them out because when you support our sponsors, you're supporting the show as well. Okay, guys, with that down, let's now move over and start taking your live comments and questions. The Super Chats are now open. They'll only be open for a couple of minutes, so if you got one fired in quickly. Chris, what do we got people writing on, in? John. I got I got two two super chats from members right now. Okay. Okay. One's from Jesse Price. He says, "Hey guys, the Sandman trailer has dropped for Netflix." <gasps> oh, we'll have to talk I about that tomorrow it. then. And no. then the second one is from Spencer Smothers. He says, "The Sandman has an official release date on Netflix, August fifth, plus amazing character posters." This is one of my most anticipated properties this year. Mine too. Yeah. Well, now, then that's when we're de definitely, that's probably one of our big yes. topics tomorrow. So, he says I mean, now, obviously we haven't, we can't talk about it right now because yeah. we haven't seen it, but tomorrow, definitely. Thanks for finding those in guys. I my appreciate favorite that. comic book series of all time. <laughs> all right. What do we got here? What's in the uh, super chats? From Senor Film, we've got some support from Follow Rob on Instagram. Do it. Karen uh, <laughs> Black, who is more terrifying for you all personally, Darth Vader or Homelander? Oh, Vader. 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 Vader goes around and blows up entire planets and civilizations and cultures. Yeah, I mean, Vader could probably just look at Homelander and I uh, squish your brain with uh, the force. Yeah, I mean, Homelander is a big old psychopath, but there's just there's nothing but horror when it comes to Vader, especially after watching, you know, Rogue One or whatever. And granted, I'm a Star Wars guy, so of course I'm going to say it, but I, I really do think Vader. Oh, Homelander's very grounded in reality, That's personality true. and power wise, though. I mean, not in like literal superpowers yeah. but in in what he's capable of and af after you saw the end of episode three right changing hearts and minds in a very scary way yes yeah but vader was redeemed in the end yeah who cares homelander's <laughs> never going to be redeemed i'm not even so sure about that i'm not so sure they won't do that eventually in this show i mean who knows who knows we'll have to see all right what's next from andy one of two kara black kara hmm? black oh no i'm sorry oh i just did that one Go for it. Um, I think it's kind of funny that going to see Top Gun Maverick at AMC, you see Nicole Kidman telling you to go to AMC. Uh. And after her ad, you see her ex-husband thanking you for watching his movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nicole and Tom working together again, promoting yes. the things. By the way, I do love that pre-roll that they do of Tom Cruise thanking yeah. everybody for they insisted it being a, a theatrical release. In the audience that I saw it with, there was actually applause we said we made sure this was going to be a theatrical movie and the whole audience erupted it was great but you're right it's kind of neat to see uh, nicole kidman and him working together again on screen all right what's next from jay bling rob i know i said that i read crimes of the future his sexual uh, masochism more extreme than crash having seen it yourself how extreme is it? it it's not i mean as a matter of fact the the sexuality has changed in the movie uh surgery is the new sex as they say in the movie and people aren't having traditional sex they're 
they're uh, opening up their own bodies and removing these organs that are generating in them. It's a very different, a very different experience. What Elizabeth's review was it was crash without crash. <laughs> she, she said, <laughs> Elizabeth said it was crash without the crashing. Yeah. And I'm like, that's perfect. All right. What's next? From Chef Rigo. Rigo. Calling it right now. Deadpool 3 will open with him being an employee at Disneyland. Yes. People just hating on uh, our picture quality. I, on, I on yeah, Instagram. that was from the Instagram thing I put up. But I, I could totally see it. I could totally see it. Him being at Disneyland, welcoming a child, and a child asking for something unreasonable and Deadpool going, what the fuck is wrong with you, kid? Or something like that. <laughs> like, I totally see them doing something like that and i certainly certainly hope they do rigo all right what's next from a marcellus which comedy do you remember seeing in theaters that the whole crowd was in unison and laughing throughout for me it was austin powers gold member we were dying with the tom cruise reveal what remember seeing in the theaters that the whole crowd oh sorry was it that the whole crowd was in unison laughing throughout so what comedy um i remember to me it's not the funniest movie of all time but I remember watching I Love You, Man in theaters. Mm. And that theater, they, it was like filled with 300 people that were all in just the right mood. Because the my theater where I saw I Love You, Man, that's the Jason Segel, Paul Rudd, uh, uh, Rashida Jones comedy. Laughed their asses off the entire time, like through the whole thing. And people loved it. That That's one to me. To me, it's not the funniest comedy of all time, but that was probably the loudest I've heard an audience laugh. Do you got one that you can think of? Yeah, dude. There's something about Mary. Oh, I, right. I was in Westwood and the, the scene with the hair gel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people were, I, I don't think the theater quieted down for 10 minutes. People just kept laughing, and it because it was a joke that came out of nowhere and, too. And it was it was just the whole movie, but it, it I'd never been in a theater. It just struck me uh, asking that question. I'd never been in a theater where people couldn't stop laughing. Do you it have was an like when like he that? talks yes. about the when Ray talked about the Trade Federation, and I couldn't stop laughing. It was like that. <laughs> My forty year old virgin, the uh, the waxing scene is when like oh. you could hear everyone crying together. They were laughing. To so me, hard. that is the greatest scene ever in it's comedy so history. Good. That is my absolute one hundred percent favorite scene in comedy it. movie history. All right, what's next? From James Argenta, if Deadpool goes to the MCU in next film, what character do you want him to interact with? Under 36 hours to Kenobi. Um, honestly, James, again, I say this all the time. I don't care. It doesn't matter what character he interacts with. All that matters is do they write it well? Uh, I, like, I always go back to Doctor Doom, right? Doctor Doom is like the arguably one of the top three maybe greatest villains in comic book history. They've done four movies with him and it's never, never worked well. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what character they put in. I'm just looking forward. They can make, listen, James Gunn put Polka Dot Man in Peacemaker. That's not what made it great. They wrote the character great. So whatever yeah. character they do, I'm sure they're going to do a great job with it. All right, what's next? From Stubble McShave, congrats, Robert England turned 75 today. Him as Freddy is what made Elm Street. His performance as Freddy is awesome, and people say he's really dreamy. Um, yeah. He just seems like such a sweet nice guy um, I've seen him speak on a couple of occasions he just seems so genuine and fun again my first exposure to him was he was in V he was the nerd alien yep. in V of course and he's Freddy Krueger and it's really great seeing him pop up in Stranger Things as well yep absolutely what do you what do you guys think about uh, him oh I, I'm a huge fan I mean 
you know, I, obviously V, it's funny that you bring up V. I, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't seen, I'm not the Marina Bracarin version, but the actual first miniseries that was on in 83. With Singer. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, check that out. And Robert England is the nerd, the way you put it, the nerd alien. But then, of course, I mean, I loved him as Freddy Krueger. I loved the first Nightmare on Elm Street. He was great because it was really scary. Yeah. It wasn't just a wisecracking Freddy Krueger. It was Johnny Depp's going to get sucked into a bed and spewed out over the ceiling. <laughs> Terrifying. Spooky. I hate it. <laughs> All right, what's next? From follow Rob on IG. All right, lads, is Obi-Wan a big fat liar or was he actually telling the truth from a certain point of view? Um, are we talking about like in the original Star Wars? Oh yeah, that's that's relative. That's relative truthism right there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Shut yeah. up, you lied. Uh, and, and yeah, so he was right. Vader did consume Obi or consume Anakin. Yes, yeah. but <laughs> it's uh, no, he lied. He's straight up. He lied. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, if you love Scrubs, you would love Psych. It's one of my all-time favorites, and it's built on the same relationship and chemistry that Turk and JD have. You know, I've had a lot of people over the years tell me I would like Psych. It's so good. Is it? So you've I watched it. I love Psych, yes. And they continue to do, like, Psych movies. They like, keep yep. doing movies and stuff, which are so, so fun. And then um, the actor on it, Timothy Osmond. Uh, he's one of those guys. He's one of those character actors who pops up in everything. Um, he was, I think, Kane in Supernatural. Oh, okay. Um, he's phenomenal on that show. He's so fun. One of these days, I'm going to have to give it a shot. All right, what's next? From Andy, one of two. I know Cal Kestis is modeled after Cameron Monaghan, but I can't help see Jedi Padawan Archie Andrews, which I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if Riverdale is a prequel to Star Wars at this point. Probably. He, they do share a bit of a look. They do share a little bit of a look. I, I won't deny. But yeah, it's, it's kind of the same. They've done that before, right? Star Wars likes to take an actor and base the game character on an actor. They did that with Starkiller with Sam Witwer mm -hmm. um, and they've done it again here. And that's kind of why I think we're going to see him. I really do. I think we are going to see Cal. And I still think there's like a 15% chance we see him in Obi-Wan. I really do. Or at some point he'll pop up in something, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. What's next from Jay master. Hey, John, tomorrow, Tuesday at midnight is going to be a super exciting double game day. Header with episode four of Obi-Wan Kenobi dropping and Ms. Marvel episode one drops on Disney+. Plus. It's it's a momentous day tomorrow for, yeah. for a couple of reasons. Number one, we get a new episode of Obi-Wan. We get a new episode of Ms. Marvel. It's going to be the first time that Disney is going to have two premium shows airing on the same night. What are you going to watch first? Obi-Wan. I'm going to watch Obi-Wan first. Uh, and then, but I'm very excited for Miss Marvel to see what they do. All the res reviews I've heard of it so far have been very good. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. I really need a good palate cleanser coming up. It, like, I liked Moon Knight. I, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, oh, but um, it, it wasn't quite the palate cleanser that I needed from Hawkeye. So I'm really hoping this is the next one they're going to really have a lot of fun with. But, and of course, we are going to do our Obi-Wan after show at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesday. And then we're going to do a Ms. Marvel uh, after show at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, Pacific Standard Time. So guys, keep your eyes open for that. All right, what's next? From Mr. Holdbrook, since Deadpool 3 is the first mutant to be introduced in the MCU, are we overlooking this movie to tease how mutants are going to be introduced in the MCU? There is no chance that Deadpool is going to be our first introduction to mutants in the MCU, number one, because it already happened in Doctor Strange. Uh, but number two, I believe we will... One of the upcoming movies is going to introduce the concept of mutants. I don't think the concept of mutants will be introduced in X-Men the movie. 
I think it's going to be a concept they introduce first already, and I, I don't think Deadpool's going to be the one to do it. All right, what's next? From My Comic Planet, I believe Tom Cruise is the last true great movie star. I know some will say Dwayne J, but he doesn't have the star and box office power of Cruise. Oh, you're right. It far exceeds Tom Cruise's. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm sorry. You can like Tom Cruise as an actor, but Tom Cruise is a better actor. No doubt. He does not have the box office draw. Should we sit here and do a full list of all the box office flops that Tom Cruise has? It's not a short list. Um, when Dwayne The Rock Johnson appears in a movie, that movie will automatically make a lot more money than it would have otherwise. Remember that movie Rampage? Yeah. That movie has no business making any money. It also didn't have any business being as good as it was. No, too. that's true. <laughs> or any business existing. Yeah. That is a ridiculous Just, concept for we're, a movie. We're making a Rampage movie? Yeah. Right. But you put Dwayne The Rock Johnson in it, it makes over $400 million at the box office. Mm -hmm. it, you, put, you do that same movie and you put Tom Cruise in it, makes two hundred. million. It, it's just, it, the reality is, the facts are the facts. When you sit down with the spreadsheet, Tom Cruise is not, period, end of sentence, as big of a draw as Dwayne The Rock Johnson is. He's a better actor? Absolutely. He is not the same. It's, it's not even comparable. I don't know, Rob, what you're about to say. Well, you know, it's funny because I would define, I, I think it's how you define a movie star. If it's only by box office, I think Dwayne Johnson has proven himself time and again that he is a huge box office draw. He's a, yeah, there's a difference between star and draw. I right, think, yeah. right. And I think that Tom Cruise is, if you look at, like, I would call Tom Cruise more of a leading man type because if you look at the diversity he was in, in Born on the Fourth of July, playing a crippled um, Vietnam war vet. Yeah. War vet. He can do uh, a few good men, you know, and, and play Caffey, the, the, the JAG officer who goes after Jack Nicholson. He can be a romantic lead in Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello. He can do vanilla uh, sky. So I think as a commanding matinee presence, he is in terms of movie star, he can be a Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, and do respect the cock, that speech that he gives. Who would have thought he could have was given he that? not nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for that? I think he was. I believe he was, yeah. And then he can play Les Grossman. Yes. Dwayne The Rock Johnson pretty much is good at playing Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You know, you're, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that's great. That's why you could, just like John Wayne was great at playing John Wayne. And sometimes he was in movies that were, that transcended who he was. But I don't think he had the diversity that, say, a Tom Cruise has. No, and there's absolutely nothing wrong, not. There's nothing wrong with that. And, like, the thing about Dwayne Johnson is, like, I'm really looking forward to his particular performance in Black Adam. Heck, yeah. You know? I mean, like, I want to see, see that movie because Dwayne Johnson's in it. Now, that's a, for me, that's a big deal. Like, there's been a lot, like, I haven't thought somebody was perfectly cast in something in a long time. He is perfect in that role. And I think that... At least we hope so. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, you know, and I loved him. I mean, I loved him in Fast Five. You know, when he was introduced in Fast Five with, he was, I don't know why, he's just, he, every time he went somewhere, he was sweating. And I thought that was the most awesome thing in the world. I, I yeah. loved him like in that. There's very few of the, of the quintessential leading man Hollywood stars, right? You're talking Tom Cruise, you're talking Denzel Washington, yes. George Clooney, Brad Pitt. Um, there's a few new, newer generation ones. Obviously, you got Leonardo DiCaprio. I Reynolds. think Ryan Gosling is turning into one of these. But, but yeah, when, but if you specifically want to mention draw, 
listen, there's a reason that before Top Gun, the biggest opening weekend to any Tom Cruise movie was like in the $60 million range. So yeah, it's, it's just not the same thing. All right. What's next? From Ian S. sending in an almost $20 super chat. Thank you, Ian. Uh, hey, crew. So one of my favorite movies is The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. I love that so movie. Good. Wasn't there supposed to be a sequel or a show going forward? I love those characters and could definitely see a show with them. All right. So for those of you who've watched my show for any period of time, you know what I'm about to say. Nice Guys is the biggest travesty, I think. In Hollywood history, because Nice Guys is not just a wonderful movie uh, written, directed by Shane Black, Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling. It's completely original, wonderfully done, super entertaining, and nobody went to go see it. It's the first movie I would pray. Whenever I hear, first, first of all, the people cry, Hollywood doesn't do anything original anymore. Number one, you're wrong. There's more original films to be made today than at any other time in Hollywood history. But number two, they make original films and you don't go see them. And The Nice Guys is a great example of that. It is a fan-freaking-tastic movie. Big stars, huge laughs, big hilarious stuff, great story, wonderfully directed. It's everything a good movie should be and what happens when they put out these big original films. So these people say, oh, they don't make anything original. You don't go see original films. So like, yeah, Nice Guys is, to me is that I get very worked up when the Nice Guys comes up because damn, that's a, such a good movie. Anyway. I just, love that I movie. didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Raise the problem. I'm Raise proud it. of it, baby. It's yeah. such a good movie. And no, unfortunately, there was never going to be another one because it just flopped. So many Shane Black movies, I think, are just tremendously underrated. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, kiss, is, kiss, my bang, bang is so good. And those are a great double feature. Oh, my gosh. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Nice Guys. So yeah. good. It's so hilarious good. if you watch the Nice Guys on a plane because the language is all edited. It's wonderful. So they'll <laughs> be like, so this bozo... All of Shane Black's movies take place at Christmas. Yeah. All right. What's next? From Cody Hunt. AMC is doing a double feature of Jurassic Park and Jurassic World Dominion. I couldn't buy my tickets fast enough. Ooh, I'm going to go see Jurassic World Dominion tonight. I'm actually pretty excited about that. I'm going to head into LA and go watch that tonight. That is a good double feature to do. I would. That sounds good. I haven't seen that. I'm sure it's a special event. You can get it, your tickets, but they probably go fast. Take his advice and go and look at your local theater now to see if your local AMC is doing it. And get your tickets fast, because that's probably going to go pretty quick. All right. Thanks for sharing that, man. All right. What's next? From Stupid Heads. Took my family to see Top Gun on Saturday at 1245, and it was packed. The over 40 crowd was still there in full force. Movie was even better the second time. Again, we talked about this last week, but probably the biggest deal about the box office success of Top Gun is that it's become the first movie to really bring in the over 40 demographic. That has been the demographic that Variety wrote about a while ago, saying that the movie industry has been having the hardest time to get them to come back to the movie theaters. <gasps> Top Gun did it, and it continues to do it. And again, we talked about it before. It's like the strip club. When you go and have a good time, you're more likely to go back next week. And let's see if that holds true once Jurassic World opens. Because I think Jurassic World is going to have a big over 40 thing as well because of the nostalgia of it. It's yeah. just going to be big. If it's good. If Well... Opening weekend, really doesn't, matter. doesn't matter. Relevant, but we'll see what kind of legs it has. We'll yeah. depend on how good it is. All right, what's next? From Salamander Man, did you all see the leaked Predator trailer? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, apparently. So uh, what's, a, what's the name of it against one word? Prey. Prey. Prey, right. Predator Prey um, is coming. I did not see that it leaked or anything like that. I'm sure it's going to come out soon. All right, what's next? From Bobby Jackson, with the Top Gun results along with everything everywhere all at once, I hope the conversation changes from saying only comic book movies or Star Wars make money. Seems to me good movies make money. 
not always. We just talked about nice guys, yeah. <laughs> right? Good movies don't always make money. Uh, I mean, listen, there's a reason why the art of marketing is so important, so important, and why directors of movies are not allowed to touch the marketing a lot of the times. That being said, v- good movies can be successful. And Top Gun, we talked the other day, it's like the most successful non-comic book movie since the last Jurassic World movie. Everything all at once isn't breaking any box office records, but it's making money and it's successful and it's still the best film of the and year. And it's still opinion. in theaters. When and I went and saw it at the Harkins Theater where we went and saw Crimes of the Future, everything everywhere all at once is still playing. Yeah, and guys, if you haven't seen it, again, it's all subjective, of course, but in my estimation, it's still kind of by a good margin the best movie of the year so far. So do get it. If you get a chance, go out and check that one out. All right, what's next? From Raymond, did you watch Morbius again? It was destined to fail again despite the re-release and Jared Leto joining in on the Morbid Time meme. Well, again, to the, the point about, oh, I didn't make it money. Number one, re-releases never make money. Not, not real money at any rate. Number two, there was no campaign for this. We all literally found out by accident the day before that they were putting it out again. So clearly the re-release was not an attempt to make more money. I mean, that, that this was it was done almost as a joke. Like, hey, we're in on the joke with you. Yeah. And because, again, they didn't advertise it. They didn't tell anybody about it. It was just, by the way, did you know Morbius is going back into the theaters tomorrow? I was like, what? Because we found out through a movie exhibitor's Twitter handle that it was even happening, right? So, I mean, I, again, I'm not surprised. It did. And no, I didn't go to see it. Uh, my weekend filled, again, you guys know, my wife's been ill the last couple of weeks. She's almost completely better now. But um I just didn't have a chance, unfortunately. But I did want to see it on the big screen again just to give it another shot because I was so disappointed with it. All right, what's next? From Lucky BX, Biggs, Luke, at that speed, you'll be able to pull out in time. Luke, that's what she said. Yeah, there are there are entire websites dedicated to uh, innuendo jokes from Star Wars. Yes. Um, one of my favorites is pull out. You can't do any more good back there. Uh, that's, that's one of the... <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's one of the big ones. Uh, <laughs> so nice. there, there are literally entire websites dedicated to it. So I'm sure our chat section is about to fill up with a lot of them. All right, what's next? From Jamie Sundays, took my mom to see Top Gun and she loved it. I've seen it four times and dying to see it a fifth. Well, that speaks again to the rewatchability of this movie. You have such a good time with it. It's so much fun that, and it's, there, listen, there are great movies that you don't want to rush out and see again the next week. And it's not and there are better movies in Top Gun that you don't necessarily want to rush out and watch again, but Top Gun's one of those films. You just want to go see it again. I'm glad you did. All right, what's next? From Sam Fisher, you said you want Spielberg to direct a Star Wars movie, and I completely agree. I want him to direct a Dr. Afra movie, marry uh, Star Wars and Indy, or two on the nose. Dr. Afra is, other than Grand Admiral Thrawn, I think the best extended universe Star Wars character they've ever made. Um, she's interesting. She's got a really cool story that goes along with her. I mean, I'll give you like, I get it. Cad Bane is a very cool character. Not nearly as interesting to me as Dr. Afro. By the way, my wife, I'm biased. My wife, Anne does killer Dr. Afro cosplay. Star Wars even featured her in on the official Star Wars website before I like killer Dr. Afro. We're convinced that actually one of the Dr. Afro covers was modeled after Anne's cosplay of Dr. Anyway, super fab and the two droids. The two droids. If you don't know anything about Dr. Afra, so she's got these two droids that 
completely look like C-3PO and R2-D2 knockoffs. The prop, the difference is they're homicidal maniac droids that are just always talking about murdering and killing people. But she's got her version of a restraining bolt in them. That's But all they ever talk about is how delicious it would be, wonderful to see blood running from the throat of that person over there. And just humans are just meat bags and they always just want to murder. That's all they ever want to do. It's so great to read. I feel that way a lot. Oh, Steve Spielberg doing Dr. Afro. Going to Amazon, yeah. add to cart. <laughs> okay. All right, what's next? From Josh Becker, I think Top Gun could get close to one billion. I don't think so. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, with the kind of legs it had in the second weekend, but next week it runs into a wall. Um, I mean, it's made, after two weeks, it's made it halfway there. It's over 500 million worldwide. Mm. But now it's going to run into <laughs> Jurassic World. It's got all kind of stuff. Mm. I <laughs> really think about another another bet over there. Mm. <laughs> what, what can we do here? I So I'm going to say, I wouldn't bet money against it. I wouldn't put money against it. My guess is it will, it's going to make a lot of money. I don't see it hitting a billion. I don't know, Rob, what about you? You know, it hasn't opened in China. I don't know if it ever will. It hasn't opened in other territories. Pro-American pro military movie? Yeah. It ain't never playing in China. It, it, it certainly hasn't opened in Russia. Nope. And, uh, <laughs> Why? <so>, well, <laughs> well, yeah, it hasn't opened the, in there. Um, but, but I, you know, it depends. If it, if it, if Jurassic World Dominion, if it disappoints, people might be driven to see Top Gun yet again. But I've never seen a movie, John, in recent years that people have wanted to see more times than this. I mean, like we just had our viewers say, I went and saw it four times. I want to see it again. People go back. They love this movie. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's kind of a phenomenon. We'll know in the next two weeks, but I could see it. I could see it happening. It depends if it, if it, it, it'll depend after that third week. By the way, I decided to make this a user poll. So if you guys are watching live right now, look over in the live chat. We just put up a poll asking you guys, do you think Maverick will make a billion dollars? Sales a long way to go, and it's about to run into Dominion. But I don't know. What do you guys think? We put the poll in there. We'll get to that in just a bit. All right. What's next? From Martin, sitting in a $20 super chat. Thank, Thank you, you, Martin. Rob, I've been listening to Road Trippin' with RMB. It's like an uncut version of the Viceroy Verisimilitude. Right. Verisimilitude. Why can't I? Public school. Verisimilitude. And I absolutely love it. Please don't ever stop it. And I hope to send a letter one day. Thanks. Stay awesome, bro. Okay. What Martin's referring to, when I drive here every day, I do a podcast with Mike Bodden in the car. called. That Road sounds totally safe. And it, well, no, no, because my car, <laughs> I set my phone in, you know, my car's got that phone thing. So yeah. I'm just driving and talking. And we, we basically just riff on entertainment news ideas. And now people have been sending us letters because we weren't getting it at first. People have been sending good letters and i think i say it's a pretty erudite podcast where we try and be elevated elevate the discourse it's not like this i mean we oh it's much more of an editorialized show i didn't know anyone was listening to it you know when i do it it's it's like i'm either listening to npr or i'm talking to mike bodden who's in iowa you know you met mike so he and i do it and uh, he brings up he calls me or i call him and i'm glad thank you for listening to it. it's fun although Everybody complains about the the um, sound quality because Mike sounds really good and I sound terrible. And people well, are like, car. yeah, and people are like, why don't you get a microphone? I'm like, yeah, but then it wouldn't be any fun. I think the horrible sound is part of it. It sounds authentic. But thanks for that. By the way, just going over to that poll now that we put up a, a minute ago. Uh, so right now we asked the question, will Top Gun Maverick make a billion? 
it's very close. 52% of you are saying, no, it won't. Mm. 48% of you are saying it will. I think it'll get close. I mean, I don't think it will, but it'll get close and maybe dude, who knows? Thanks for participating in that guys. Okay. What is next? From Ryan, one of two. After seeing John gush about a really wild thing at the start of The Boys Season 3, I got to the director ripping out Ashley's hair and thought, is this what he's making such a big deal about? No. No, it was not. <laughs> I love the show so much. Yeah, so of course, Rob and I have been doing, we're doing a The Boys After Show that happens on Fridays because The Boys drops Thursday at midnight. So we do an after show. And the first, I'm telling you, man, the first, what a way to open a season. Woo! Uh, what does he say? Uh, get the prostate? Yeah, wow. that, that'll never be a phrase I... Well, that's never been a phrase I've ever wanted to hear uh, under any circumstances. But yeah, that's... Um, I don't want to hear it in a I'm doctor's office. Comment. I don't want to hear it anywhere. <laughs> but, woo, that scene, man. That scene will go down in infamy. All right, what's next? From Tacky75, Titanic saw an increase of 25% in its second weekend. There was a difference, though. Titanic did not open all that big. See, right. that's the big difference. We're talking about a movie that a bunch of people, like everybody went out to see, and then it only dropped 29%. Over $100 million opening. Yeah, so it, that's, it's a massive. Plus, there have been a lot of movies, by the way, that have opened in limited release, then gone wide and went up 300%, right? But that's a totally different set of circumstances. Star Wars only opened in 38 theaters when it first opened. Yeah, well, that was when a totally different model of yeah, the way totally. things were done. But still, you yeah. Know. All right, what's next? From Ulatan, is Upside affiliated with Updog? No, let's just move on. I'm not following. Well done. Yes. What's next? Omar OVO, hope you guys are doing well. Have to ask, what's your guys' top three favorite movie main themes? I got three Star Wars, two Pirates of the Caribbean, and one Spider-Man. Right. I, I don't do lists off the, like, people asking questions for lists off the top. Like, I'll do lists that we have time, sit down, prepare, write out, think mm -hmm. through, process. I, I don't do lists like this, but I will say a couple of my favorites. A couple of my favorites in no particular order. Obviously, John Williams' work on Star Wars. Uh, Howard Shore's work on The Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. uh, stuff is super great, too. Um, and maybe, listen, John Williams' work on the Jurassic Park movies. Like those, that that music is sweeping, and there's several pieces to it that are just amazing. I don't know, Rob. What about you? Oh, there's so many. I I would say Jerry Goldsmith's theme to Star Trek: The Motion Picture. You know, John Williams' score for Superman. The theme to Superman. Yeah. Um, those are some. I I would have to say John Barry's work on the James Bond franchise, maybe on Our Majesty's Secret Service. All right, what's next? From David Deer, thoughts on the first look at Bradley Cooper as Leonard Bernstein? Oh man, that, that's some incredible makeup. Unbelievable, dude! Like it, I, it's unrecognizable unless I saw the headline that it's Bradley Cooper. Like once you know it's Bradley Cooper, you're like, yeah, I can see Bradley Cooper under that. But, but if it didn't have Bradley Cooper in the headline, I never would have guessed it was him at all. That's a that's some terrific prosthetic. Amazing. Work. Yeah. All right. What's next? From Stubble McShave, maybe 40-plus crowd don't rush out first weekend for Top Gun Maverick. But they did. <laughs> they did rush out first weekend for Top Gun Maverick. 55% says variety of the audience went to go see Top Gun Maverick was the over 40 crowd. Absolutely amazing. And listen, yeah, before the pandemic, the over 40 crowd do regularly rush out to go opening weekend for movies they want to see. It's just they've, they've been the slowest demographic to come back to the theater since the pandemic. And now we're seeing it happen. So that's good news for everybody. All right, what's next? From Alan. Hey, John and crew. Did you see the new Disney Strange World trailer? What did you think? Will you talk about it on tomorrow's show? No, honestly, I didn't find it very interesting at all. 
Um, I didn't see it. It's yeah. it's kind of almost like a Robinson Robin uh, Swiss Family Robinson sort of thing. Oh. It looks like it's a sci-fi thing. A family gets lost or stranded on this wild planet where everything is weird. So it's in like a series. I think it's a movie. Oh, okay. Um, and honestly, I I, I just meh. I'll watch it. I mean, just, watch the trailer. Planet. Yeah, watch the trailer. So you think, but to me, the trailer was very meh. There was there was nothing really interesting <laughs> about it. It I I don't know. So no, we're we're not going to make it a topic tomorrow. All right, what's next? From Random Polygon, sending in a $39 super chat. Thank you, Random hey. Polygon. Very hey, John much. And crew. Rob, do you ever try the Star Trek VR game, Star Trek Bridge Crew? It's great, and I'd recommend it. Thanks for <laughs> I've never even heard of that. I have. It's No, it's really oh, cool. Man. It's a virtual game where you you you're each person is a member of the bridge crew. Right. Do you wear it's, a VR headset for it? or? Yes. Yes. And, but there's also a version where you don't have to. The version that I played was annoying because... Well, I only played one demo uh, of it, and it was fun, but the people that you're with, I think, have to be on the same wavelength as <laughs> yeah, you. Right. Yeah, right. You know That's I mean? why I don't like playing yeah, There's with videos on YouTube about it. Watch watch the compilations. The, yeah, the, man. I mean, I, it was <laughs> really hilarious. <laughs> it was really annoying. The, the, the people that I was with was like, I took it too seriously yeah, so the problem yeah. was not them it was probably me <laughs> you'll probably and i'm like damn it take real. this seriously <laughs> that's honestly why i don't even when i play like world of warcraft i do not like playing with other players like i, I just like to play my game myself because i just find other people under other people on the internet can just ruin a game experience for me so i don't know i but i do sounds like something i, I mean theoretically it's really cool theoretically right if as long as you have the right people but even when i was a little kid i, I would say, say the, the same thing about sex what <laughs> <laughs> Theoretically, it's uh, really you know cool. what? I, the, the right my, my partners the, uh, with that activity, I've never had to say you're not doing it right. Yeah, but even if my not doing it right, if it's like even if, if somebody's not doing it right, it's if, still pretty good. But if everyone's on like more of a comedy wavelength, then it's really good, right? So it just depends. Like you're right; it has to be the same wavelength, but there's yeah. not a right or wrong. Yeah. We're back on the game, right? <laughs> we're still talking about the game right okay. all right uh, we are running out of time here so we got to get moving through these fairly quickly okay what's next from trond strict 2 opened on a wednesday so its second weekend drop is artificially low and not directly comparable to mavericks uh, listen with every movie in every like there are variables the year it came out what opened against it? What came out the following week? What kind of marketing budget does it have? Look, with every single movie in comparison, you can come up with a thousand different variables. So this, it's kind of, um, what's the word that they would use? It's kind of folly uh, to quote Bohemir. It's folly to try to just cherry pick one or two of the variables because then you got to take all of them into consideration. All right, what's next? From Josie Reviews, I just reached my first 1,000 views on my channel. Nice. That's difficult. Uh, I know it's not much, but I'm still working hard to improve every day. And thank you, John. I've been watching for eight years, and you inspire me every day. That is great. And listen, don't downplay. Getting 1,000, that means 1,000 times people clicked to watch your video. I mean, that's not a small thing. That's, that's more than most people will ever get. So that's a huge accomplishment. Congrats on that. That's awesome. All right. What's next? From Hand Me My Thong Sandals. Hey, Campia family. Do y'all have any urban cinema movies you like or love? Thanks. And I have the no idea what that even means. Yeah. What is an urban, urban cinema? cinema movie? Like something that takes place in a city? Was it like Judgment Night? What you is, ever is, seen but Judgment but what is Night? Cinema, like urban cinema movie? 
What does that mean? Like, I don't know, hardcore inner city movies? Maybe if he's still here, he could, uh, or yeah. he or she could type like in Boys in the, in the chat Hood. Would, and, would that be like? I guess yeah, so. I, I, I don't know. It's difficult to, difficult to answer. All right, what's next? <laughs> from uh, My Comic Planet, I read if Tom Cruise makes a billion from Top Gun, he will make a hundred million. With, will Smith holds the record for best payday from a single movie. He made a hundred mil for Men in Black 3. I think Tom should get more. Um, listen, a lot of people from a lot of work from a lot of people goes into making these movies who deserves what is completely. So if he gets it, how much should Jennifer Connelly get? How much should John Hamm get? How much should any of the other actors get? How much should the director get? How much should the should the flight coordinator get? Which, by the way, there's a great interview designing Hollywood. Kevin LaRosa. Check that out on the John yes. Campia channel. Yep. It's there right now. It's the newest episode of designing Hollywood. Have that up. Um, I mean. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, no actor deserves to make a million, a hundred million dollars on a movie. I, I don't care. No actor, unless the, like, I don't think anybody should make a hundred million dollars for two months of work, unless the letters DR follow your name and you just came out of surgery, saving a bike accident guys and make it so he can walk again for his life. Then to me, you deserve a hundred million dollars. Plus, but I, I don't know. I mean, look, Tom Cruise has a longstanding relationship with Skydance. Yep. Who's one of the producers of this movie. They also produced the mission impossible movies and with Paramount. So I think what Tom Cruise wins more than anything is, is, the, the Mission Impossible franchise is a quarter of a century old. They have two movies coming out in addition to Top Gun Maverick. So I think this solidifies. They've had a tough time making those Mission Impossible movies because of COVID. Yeah. And and this, I think, is a I, what I love about this. It's a validation of, of a studio in business with talent. All right. What's next? From Noah Snyder, a Spielberg Fantastic Four movie would be awesome, so awesome and got me thinking about a Guillermo del Toro Marvel movie. That's what I said. What do you think about a Guillermo del Toro X-Men, Man-Thing, Hulk, or something else? Again, I I generally don't care about X-Director directing X-Movie as long as you get a really talented storyteller. Guillermo del Toro is an Academy Award winning storyteller. So you attach him to any movie. I think that would be a win for everybody. And he's already dipped his toe in the Marvel Universe. He did do the non-MC related Blade film. So we've already got a little bit of a sense of what he can do. Mm -hmm. All right. What's next? From uh, Blake62, I think one reason Top Gun 2 is resonating with people is that the stakes feel very real. There's no time machines or infinite variants, variants of characters. Part of it. Uh, maybe. But the thing is, movies that do have that are making even more money, right? right? So it's like, it's doing well because it doesn't do this. But movies that do have that are making even more but, money. I, I don't know if it's about that. It's it's just at the end of the day, because nobody who's watching those movies is about to go and jump into an F-18 and flying it anywhere. At the end of the day, it's just a thrilling, fun story that you are just enjoying yourself sitting and watching and whether that involves time travel in multiple dimensions or an f-18 or something else more realistic i mean that can work i mean i do think that i understand i think we're, we're also kind of where he's going with that is it was kind of nice to get a respite from all of this. absolutely you know and and it was nice to see tom cruise and jennifer Connolly hanging out in that bar you know and making she make made him buy the bar around i mean i it was nice for me. I'm like, wow, you know, no special effects, no green screen. I mean, there's CG in it, but no, it, it, it was nice. There was something refreshing 
about watching a movie with real people doing real things, even though they attacked a fictitious country and we don't even know who that country we was. We don't even know who that country it doesn't was. Doesn't really matter. But I, I, you know, just to see people smiling at each other and trying to play some one upsmanship and do push ups, I'm like, I liked it. All right, what's next? From Fredo, oh wait, from AV Reviews, there are new posters and trailers for the Sandman. Yeah, again, we'll just oh, we'll cover that tomorrow wait. for sure. All right, what's next? Now from Fredo. Fredo, John, you ready for UFC this weekend? Who you got? Um, what's the headliner this week? I, I was just looking at it because I was watching. I was watching the fights this weekend. Volkov, it's not the rematch, is it? by the way. Volkov. Uh, which one was? Do you see Volkov knocked out Rosenstrike? Knocked no, him out I, in the first round. Oh, yeah, it did was, that just happened this weekend? Yeah, that was this weekend. That was great. I can't even remember what the main... Like, I've been so caught up in everything, I can't even remember what the main card is this weekend. Mm. It's oh. uh, Texier. Glover? No, no, that's not the rematch, though. Because he's fighting that Norwegian Viking dude. Mm, oh, but uh, uh, Valentina's fighting someone who looks really good, too. Well, yeah, Val- Valentina's about to have the, the hardest fight she's, she's had in her title defense yeah. run. I mean, the one I'm really looking forward to is the Joanna Jojacek fight against Way. I mean, that's that's that, that was like one of the greatest fights of all time no, in the first the, one, but I don't think that's this week. Th- this is this weekend. It's UFC 275 Glover Texera versus Prochet. I could never pronounce his yeah. last name, but yeah, and, and he's basically Van- that Norwegian Valentina Viking fight dude. too. All right, what's next? From uh, Paul Silva. Want to see Top Gun again? And the Galaxy Theater I went to started playing the movie only 10 minutes after showtime. I mean, listen, I, I know it's I'm a broken record player, but movie theater executives, listen the fuck to me, okay, right now. Your number one job is to make the theater-going experience a better experience. You are not fucking making a good experience when you say a showtime is 7 p.m. and you don't start the fucking goddamn movie till 7.30, okay? You fucking ruin the movie-going experience. You're ruining it. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting the business. I was so happy at CinemaCon to see Paramount CEO get up and tell the movie theater owners, guys, play less trailers. Because when you're just throwing 20 trailers at people, people aren't remembering the trailers anyway. Shorten it up. Make a better movie going experience. It's an easy thing for you to do. All right. Learn that lesson. What's next? (laughs) From Raymond, did you watch Disney's Strange World trailer? Uh. Yeah, uh, again, I, I didn't think it was all that special. Might end up being the best movie they've ever done. Right now, not much to remember. All right, what's next? From Donald. Hey, John and crew saw the greatest movie ever made this weekend, Moonfall. <laughs> I was actually intrigued by the basic plot, but boy, was it a mess. Ray, <laughs> you want to throw in there? Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I was reading the chat. What about Moonfall? They saw it. They, and they didn't like it? They were it? intrigued, but it was a mess. Oh, yeah, it was a mess. <laughs> there wasn't it was enough a mess. Moon. By the I mean, way, the, I love those two moons behind you yeah. there. Yeah, it was a mess. Oh, but the it's the rematch this weekend between Zhang and uh, jo- Joanna Jacek. That is this weekend. Yes. Oh, I didn't think that was okay. That's so. Who do you got? Uh, Zhang Wei Lei. I mean, she. she I, I think she wins it. But that was like one of the greatest fights in MMA history. Was that yep. not not just the greatest women's fight? It was one of the greatest fights in the history of combat sports. I could watch that. I've watched that fight like four times. Uh, and if they're rematching this, okay, yeah, I'm super excited, but I've got, yeah, unfortunately for JJ, I think she loses again, but it'll be a good fight. All right, what's next? From CMG2491, me, uh, Dracus, Chris, because the writing is complete? No idea what we're talking oh, about. Oh, because there. of the, the Game of Thrones thing. Oh, right. The writing was not complete. All right. All right. What's next? Uh, Tachi Victor. Tom Cruise bet huge on theatrical release. I mean, well, Paramount bet huge on the theatrical release. Everybody knew there was 
I mean, everybody at Paramount, at least the people, the right people in charge knew that they had something special. All right, what's next? From Danito, Thor becomes Odin's son by end of Thor if Jane stays? Thor already is Odin's son. I think he means Odin. Oh, does he become Odin? No, he doesn't become Odin. I mean, in the comic books, Thor at some point does become the All-Father. They even renamed the Odin Force to the Thor Force. He becomes the All-Father at some point, but no, Thor does not become Odin. All right, what's next? From QQ, with a huge success of Top Gun Maverick, how long until we get a Hot Shots Part uh, part (laughs) 3? Yeah, somebody asked that last week, too. Uh, But spoof movies, they got driven into the ground. The great era of spoof movies just got so driven into the ground by stupid movies like Meet the Spartans and all that kind of stuff. Just this schleck of awful garbage that pretty much killed an entire genre, unfortunately. All right, what's next? From Marcelo. Oh, sending in a $20 super chat. Oh, thank you, Marcelo. Hey there. This is Marcelo from Israel. I love Shalom. The, I love the show and see it with my eldest son. I think Henry Cavill is the best Superman. How do you think his career should continue from here? Make more movies. <laughs> That's how his career should continue from here. Listen, I also think everybody always talks about Henry Cavill's well, if he doesn't do Superman, he should go over Marvel. No, I think he needs there's Superman, and then I think he should move away from comic book movies. I agree. I think he's a tremendous actor. And like, just go watch the tutors. Um, obviously, I thought he was—he's been great in a number of things. Man so. from Uncle, he oh, was so he was good so in Man good. from Uncle. He was so good in that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, but honestly, I think other than Superman, he needs to move away. I think from comic book movies. All right, what's next? From Christopher Mendez, we need Chris Carr and Aaron Cummings in a movie together. Maybe the long-awaited sequel to John Campius' film, The Hulk. That's right. That's right. It is yeah. John Campius' film, yeah. The Hulk, with my special Man, co-star, Ed If you could call up Kevin Feige then and be like, hey, I know these two tremendous actresses. You got to make it happen. One would be such a good squirrel girl. All right. What's next? From, there you go. Joel, Applebee's was having a deal where you got a ticket to Top Gun if you spent $25 and two tickets if you spent $50. That's mm. a good deal. Listen, we've got an Applebee's right by our house. Actually, there's an Applebee's. <laughs> Ray and I live three miles apart from each other. There's right. an Applebee's right, right in, the middle. in the dead middle of it. <laughs> and it's been deserted for years, or at least by us. But yeah, we haven't they, been there for years. You know why we haven't been? And refuses. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I, I don't mind a, Applebee's. A stomach thing from. Uh, Did she have yeah, bad, that's, something bad there that's once? That's the only reason why she ever stops going to a place is she gets like the stomach virus or something after she ate there. All right, which yeah. is too bad because I I like Applebee's, but I haven't been able to eat there in like five years. Uh, I think the last time I had Applebee's, Ryan and I just went out one night. And we said let's just go to Applebee's because they had half price appetizers or whatever. Anyway, that's a story nobody cares to hear about. All right, what's next? <laughs> Uh, we skipped Drama 8 by accident. Oh, Drama 8. One of two. And that's hey. all we have is the one. Oh, okay. Hey, lady and gents. First message I've sent live. Love the show. Thank you, Drama. I know you say bring on the filthy. I like to say bring on the donuts. <laughs> Why not both? And we don't get number two? They didn't get number no, two? No, they didn't come through. Thinking that other well, bring on the donuts is not bad, too. That's a happier way to look at life. Mm-hmm. I like that. Particularly... If you're uh, Canadian donuts and you're from Tim Hortons and then you get Timbits, mm, Timbits are so good. Mm, you guys call them donut holes here, but Tim Horton mastered it. Like the people order Timbits as much as they order regular donuts. You just get a box of the Tim. Oh, I'm just thinking about Timbits now. Mm. All right. What's next? <laughs> from Nikita. If Lightyear is top tier Pixar stuff and as great as you saw it, it is, John, uh, it'll have a strong second weekend hold, maybe a 35% drop. I mean, it's impossible to say at this point. We, I haven't seen the full movie. 
No. I mean, we only saw the first half hour. For all we know, I've said this before, for all we, for all I know, after the first half hour, which is brilliant, it could go straight to hell after that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just don't know. So we'll have to see what happens, and then we got to see how good the movie is, what kind of word of mouth sure. goes out about it. And listen, if Lightyear opens to $200 plus million, it's going to have a big drop on the second weekend. I mean, so a, a lot of variables we just don't know yet, but we'll find out. I'm very excited about the movie, though, man. All right, what's next? From Seconds from Disaster, one of two. No spoilers, but season one and two of The Boys showed the gradual decline of Homelander's mind state, but this season, he is brutal. He just wants everyone to suffer to make himself feel in control. Typical sociopath. And that termite scene? What the fuck was that? Makes me nervous about the hero gasm scene. Um, well, nervous or so excited? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you meant so excited. I here's the thing about Homelander, which is really great. We have been seeing this decline in his mental state, but not just his mental state. His giving an f. He's less and less caring. Like at first, it was he cares hundred percent. He was driven by his public image, how the world saw him. That lessened in season two. And now that we're in season three, now he's like, you know what? If people hate me, fine. I'll just make the world fear me. I would rather be loved. That's one of the great lines yeah. from that this season. He says, I want to be loved. I, I will choose to be loved. That's my number one thing. But if I can't be loved, I'll take being feared. I mean, that is one of the most ominous dread-inducing lines you can hear from yeah. a supervillain that I've ever heard. And plus, nobody can... There's nothing that can stop him. <gasps> but is there? Well, that's what we'll That's see. the MacGuffin of this season, isn't there? <laughs> all right, what's next? From Cincinnati's five-star barber. Everything, everywhere, all at once tonight on digital. And Thursday, 7.30, IMAX Dominion. So hype. Yeah. I didn't... Know, so everything, everywhere goes to, goes to streaming today? Oh, does it? That, that's what this sounds like he's saying. It sounds like I mean, he goes to streaming today. I just mm -hmm. was excited about him going to see Jurassic World. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. So, well, also, what country would that be in? No, no. He's not going to see Jurassic World tonight. He's got no. tickets for Jurassic World. Yeah. That's right. This week, um, though. Because it did open in a couple of countries. Huge. Yeah. Uh, this weekend. It opened but, in Mexico. Yep, it did. So this coming weekend opens in North America. Very excited about that. All right. What's next? From Attack of the Mushi. Have you seen AMC asking about ads in the app? I have no idea what that means. Asking about ads in the app. Maybe they're asking they're about how people? many trailers. Yeah. yeah, maybe polling people about how many. Are they actually asking the audience? Because I'll tell you what, listen, I did a little documentary called Movie Trailers, A Love Story. And one of the chapters of that thing is the fact that they play too many trailers. In that, there was a study from The Hollywood Reporter that showed less than 2% of people wanted more than 20 minutes of trailers. Less than 2% said they were okay with more than 20 minutes of trailers. It, uh, it's, I mean, they got to start taking uh, a cue here. He, he clarified in the chat, he said they call it revisit the trailers and they send it to you via the app, via the app after you're showing. So I don't know if that has to do with, I have no idea. Wait, so wait, so the AMC app knows that you just went to a movie. Cool. And then they send you a notification saying rewatch all the trailers you yeah, just saw. Yeah, just it's, so they want like, you to watch it twice, just in case you purposely miss them or miss them, or oh, I man. don't know. 
You you could watch the trailers. I guess it's isn't that like beating up a kid in the schoolyard, then sending him pictures of it afterwards? It sounds like you could watch the trailers that played before the movie. You just, I just want to watch the Nicole Kidman. I mean, can't you just see those trailers oh, online yeah. anyway? It's called yeah. Yeah, yeah can't you just put it on YouTube? YouTube. Uh, oh, whatever. It's pretty new. What some of the decisions the idiots over there making? Uh, All right, what's I'm next? Talk to Adam Aaron. <laughs> from King Ricardo. Love you guys. Thank you for always making me happy. Oh, thank you, King Ricardo. And thank you for being here and making us happy. You appreciate that, dude. All right, what's next? From My Comic Planet, what we do in the shadows returns on Hulu 712. I can't wait. Oh, One so of funny. my absolute weekly favorite things to sit down and do is watch what we do in the shadows. That show never disappoints to make us no. laugh and entertain oh. us. You know oh. how Trico's my really shitty dog? Yes. I love to run around the house yelling at him in Nadja's voice where I'll be like, you stupid bitch, come yeah. back. Why do you do this to me? That, that whole part near the end of last season when she's, when her doll self is like running it's away. so good. Oh my God. They, like all of the characters in this show are one of some of my favorite characters on television. Like all of them. Even, um, uh, why am I forgetting the name of their... Uh, of their Guillermo. Uh, Guillermo. Oh, and that, that he always calls Gizmo. <laughs> oh my God. That show is so good. So anyway, funny. Oh, I cannot wait for it. What a great adaptation of the movie too. Yeah. That episode two where Nandor is everyone else. That's him oh, actually my. doing everyone's voices too. Like I had to go back no. and double check the episode and go read an article where he was like, no, it's me doing impressions of them. And I was like, what? No. Wow. I can't believe Because that. like his Matt Berry is spot on, which like Matt Berry is like a, a more, ridiculous voice but everyone else he does on there too so good what's what's his character's name when he becomes the bartender oh gosh oh, when yeah. he sees mark um, hamill yeah oh i can't remember guys in the live yeah. chat why am i freezing guys in the live chat help me out what is his name when he goes uh, blah 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 american human bartender that's yeah. what he calls himself human right. bartender completely human bartender and nikki joey Daytona. The last name's yes, Daytona. Yeah. What's the first name though? Something Daytona. Okay. Completely human bartender. I can't remember. John, I, let me just go back to the app thing. Uh, Roberto Blanco clarifies it. He says the app asks you to rate the film on a five-star basis. And under that shows what trailers were shown during your movie. I think it points to the issue that so many trailers are shown. People forget. What trailers? Yeah, <laughs> if people forget what trailers show, that should be your first clue. By the way, <laughs> uh, the first Tona. person to write in, James Argento was the first one to write, Jackie. Jackie Daytona, human bartender. This is like one of my favorite things ever done. It's like so good. All right, what's next? From, and then we just end with support from Fredo oh. again and Mr. 47. Thanks Thank so you guys so much for that. And guys, that'll do it. For this installment of the John Campy Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Uh, by the way, I have a little, little announcement to make. Just a, a little announcement for those of you who stuck around to the end here. Um, so some of you know that in a couple of weeks, I will be speaking at... YouTube invited me to come and speak at the upcoming VidCon that YouTube puts on every year. So if you're attending Vid VidCon, come on over and check out uh, my, I don't know what you call it, my session that they have me doing. So that'll be <laughs> great. But also I cannot give you details yet, but I can let you know that I will be doing a panel at Comic-Con this year. So if you're planning on going to Comic-Con this year, keep your eye open. I'm not allowed to say what the dates or anything like that are yet, 
But uh, just keep a, a, a little spot in your dance card and come and meet us. We'll probably have most of the crew there. So come on over and meet us and say hi when we do. I'll give more details of that in the coming weeks when I'm permitted to do so. All right. With that, guys, thanks so much for joining us. For everybody here on the John Campus Show, from Robert Meyer Burnett, Chris Carr, Ray Ora, producer Jonathan Voico. my name's John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, bye-bye.